Rebel Force Radio is brought to you by Utini. Utini subscriptions deliver new Star Wars books plus more right to your doorstep every month. Join now and never miss a Star Wars book release with Utini. Save $5 when you subscribe and use the code RFR at checkout at utini.com slash RFR. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents... This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen. This is Star Wars Rebels Declassified. I like the sound of that. A roundtable discussion about Star Wars Rebels. Pretty gutsy move, kid. I am the Inquisitor. We're busted. Chopper, get us out of here. Now it's time for Star Wars Rebels Declassified. Oh, it is bittersweet. Bittersweet indeed. Not only is this obviously the end of the road for Star Wars Rebels, but also the final episode of Rebel Force Radio's Star Wars Rebels Declassified. So we... uh, Realize that this is the end of an era as such, but if you do want to go back and relive our commentary, our analysis of each and every episode of Star Wars Rebels, you can do that at rebelforceradio.com. We know that we have new listeners jumping on board, as well as new viewers to Star Wars Rebels, and if Star Wars Rebels has the same kind of life as the Clone Wars, there will be a lot of people discovering the show in the years Ahead, as uh, happened when uh, Rebels, or excuse me, when Clone Wars went onto Netflix, and I suspect that Rebels will will kind of take on a new life in in Disney's um, video on demand service that's going to be launching, uh, I think, later this year or early next year. So anyway, you can always catch up with us at RebelForceRadio.com. But uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about this huge, huge arc we're going to be covering the last four, I guess, technically five episodes here. Uh, as they aired originally on February 26th and March 5th, 2018, respectively. We're talking about Wolves and Adore, A World Between Worlds, A Fool's Hope, Family Reunion, and Farewell. And, uh, of course, I can't do it alone. What kind of roundtable would we have with just me? we got to have the whole gang, and we got the A-team here, and I'm so excited, starting with my good friend and yours, from Chicago, been with us from the beginning. I don't think has ever missed an episode of of Rebels Declassified. Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars Rebels fans. Wow. Uh, amazing, bittersweet moment here uh, as we wrap up uh, the end of an era, essentially, for uh, Star Wars animation. And uh, what a way to go out. And these are episodes we're going to be talking about for a long time. So I'm looking forward to kicking off all that conversation with our A-team this week on Star Wars Rebels Declassified. And that A-team, I guess we'll start off with, uh, uh, he, I don't, I don't, he's sort of our face man. I think we'll say he's our face man, uh, filmmaker Kyle Newman. You want to step in the face man role here on the A-team? <laughs> sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, wow. Four seasons yeah and it's come to an end 
Um, and what a glorious triumphant end. So I'm really pleased to be uh, here talking about this. A little sad, too, though, I have to admit. It's a little sad. It is. What's it is. next? Yeah. I guess there's something There's something coming in Star Wars, and this is. Uh, let's, let's do a fitting end to this uh, wonderful four-season chapter, though. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride. Uh, rounding out our A team, uh, let's see if 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 Kyle is our face man. I think that would probably <laughs> it, is this our Mister T? Is this our B A Baracus from across the pond? Paul Bateman, a pity the fool, a pity the fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that. that yeah, you're I kind of you're kind of part mad, you know, Mad Dog Murdoch and uh, and Mister T a little bit. You got a little bit of both. Okay. In you. Yeah, I got the beard. So that helps. <laughs> I haven't got yeah. the muscles, but I've got the beard. What about the jewelry? No, I used to have the van. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I I put the fanboys van up against the A team van any day. By oh the yeah, way. yeah, so, no contest. Just put that uh, out there for sure. All right, what? yeah, um, that'd be fun. I would like to see a, a drag race between the two. Kyle, I gotta ask: Did they <laughs> ever? I don't. Was there ever a a model or a or a diecast or anything of Hutch's van? I've been meaning to text you this question. No, I mean, there's a million things I had uh, planned mm-hmm. for fanboys, which all got shot down. At one point, I think I had uh, NECA, who was doing the line for Harry Potter toys. They wanted to do some toys, mm-hmm. and then uh, the studio didn't want to do it. I had more stuff with posters. I had more stuff with. I wanted to do a diecast Bucephalus van. Uh. Uh, I had like a Spirit of Linus action figure. Now, who shot all that stuff him. down? I'm trying to remember. What was his name? Who shot a lot of that down? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't yeah. so much well, him. I... The people at the company just didn't think. Right. They're like, What's the, where's the market? I'm like, uh, uh, where, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, see the market right. for this Star Wars stuff. <laughs> you know, but this was also before people were doing like, you know, uh, extreme home makeover Funko Pop action figures, or yeah. you know, CNN hosts as Funko Pop action figures, <laughs> or yeah. you know, it was like now you get your local mailman as a Funko Pop. Like <laughs> it's now everything's an action figure. Okay, you you that. cannot possibly tell me that there's not a world, a future where there could be fanboys. Funko Pops. I mean, there they literally got every license. There, my, but my point is, I guess when we were doing this, there wasn't what I was yes, trying to do. It. Right. It, it there were big, big brands were getting it, and not not smaller movies like the niche action figure market was not as yeah. uh, it wasn't there. It was, wasn't as prevalent. You know, yeah. uh, it's it's definitely you know boomed over the past ten years, and you know next year is the ten year anniversary of fanboys so i am working on a special poster things like that um man 10 but, years you know wow. i'd love to get some some merch yeah i'm telling you man funko you know you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna I, embrace the funko do. at some point or uh the reaction oh the reaction those are great from super seven those guys super seven reaction those would be uh amazing to get like three and three quarter inch uh fanboys characters oh. did you say you were contemplating a spirit of linus action figure <laughs> was going to be uh hutch in a stormtrooper outfit without the helmet and avoiding some ip you know he's gonna look like just in a white armored suit mm-hmm. um he's gonna have spirit of linus <laughs> you're gonna have eric in his end of the movie outfit where he's looking more like metal ceremony luke and i was gonna have uh windows in his um darth vader hel- helmetless darth vader outfit with his laptop 
Um, and I wanted uh, Jabba's prisoner outfit because we're not allowed to say slave Leia outfit anymore of Zoe. And um, get get a Roach action figure in there. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. That would be that would be awesome. Well, you know what? It, it we live in a world, thankfully, when it comes to this kind of stuff like merch and 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 all of and, and it, where anything's possible, anything's possible. You, you just you you go and you can't believe. You know, look at an Entertainment Earth catalog. You like they made a toy out of this. It's unbelievable. You just nothing nothing dies forever. It's it's really you, incredible. You know what else they make? What's that? Star Wars Rebels action. Yeah, figure. right. We okay. All right. That's that's a good that's a good segue. Of course we're here to talk about see it's been a while since we've all been together. So, you know, you have to bear with us a little bit, folks. This is like a, our own family <laughs> reunion. So yeah, let's talk about it. So uh we'll give you the, the tale of the tape here. We are talking about episodes twelve, technically episodes twelve through sixteen here of uh, Star Wars Rebels season four. Um, and I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, I said this at the outset. For those of you listening, um, a lot of us listen, watched these episodes all in a in a clump, kind of binged. I binged. Um, I knew it was going to be easier that way, knowing that the, that the um, we were staring down the barrel of the last four uh, broadcasts of the show. I wanted to really um, take it all in, and it played out beautifully, like a film. I, I really do think that it was um, it was a very very fulfilling. Uh, f- you know, final chapter, and we're going to get into all of that stuff. And we're going to break it down, but I wanted to ask the, the the panel when we look back at Star Wars Rebels, um, would you say that Kyle? I'll start with you. Do you feel that it did more uh, world building or world expanding in the Star Wars universe? Hmm. Well, its its primary function was world expanding uh i think it was narrative expanding and i think it's mythology expanding but in order to do so they did have to build a world and our central location is lothal Mm -hmm. i think as a as an environment is given uh was brought to life very well and as part of the streamlined version of the show and it was given uh, as evidenced by this finale a beginning middle and end so it's hard to expand the mythology without I think creating either go, even a new meditation on an old environment or creating a new and believable three-dimensional place. And I think, you know, one thing that was a limitation of this show was the smaller cast of characters and the smaller budget uh, compared to how big Clone Wars had uh, ballooned to in a good way. But I think that forced them to look at the group and, and look at it like a family and balance it and, really track how each character was growing on an episode basis, on a season basis, and as an overall arc. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was the exact story, more or less, the exact place they planned for it to end in its broad strokes, where, you know, in contrast, Clone Wars felt like they, they're, the ending shifted and they were never got to end it properly, and they were kind of letting things evolve as it happened and also out of out of chronology. So... That's the strength of this show, and I think that that allowed it to have that uh, world to build. Yeah, that, that's a good point, Kyle, you, because you know, Clone Wars always felt like, well, it certainly wrapped up like it still had a lot of unfinished business. It was sort of an, an unceremonious, and it took a lot of people by surprise, um, but it always felt like it was, it was going somewhere, that it, it, it knew where it had to end up because it was going right up against Episode 3, and we had a lot of fun 
on those roundtables talking about how close we thought it might actually get to episode three. Would it even tell stories happening within uh, the third episode? Paul, when you look at, at Rebels, um, this was a show that came about at a time when it was very fashionable and very much in vogue to begin a show with the end in mind. So you start the show, you know where you want to end up, and you may take three or four years. I, it seems like we always knew that this was going to be about a four or five year journey. Um, when you look back at this, do you feel that it remained focused for you from, from the starting point to the ending point? Did you feel that it veered off a lot? What, how, how did it, it, it play out from beginning to end for you? I, I felt as though it was a very focused show as opposed to Clone Wars, which did feel like it veered off in lots of different directions. But for me, that wasn't necessarily always a good thing, you know, and I, I kind of, what's been really interesting to me is the way that this, I, you know, how I feel about the show has evolved over time because I kind of feel like I got more and more comfortable as, as things went on. And I realized that they were get, going to do these episodes that had an impact, you know, on the greater saga. So even when it was, sort of very small and just really about the crew of the ghost. I still felt like there was a, it was impacting on the larger story. So that's, that's, those are really the episodes that really shone for me where I felt that there were ramifications for the big picture, even if we didn't get to look at that. So it was interesting the way that, you know, you kind of found yourself getting pulled into the stories that even, even when they just stayed aboard the ghost and it was all about the central characters. Um, but I mean, it, I felt like I kind of had the measure of it right from the very start, and and uh, but I think by the end of it, I think I had expectations for for the finale that that um, and the the very last episode certainly went like off in a totally different direction to what I expected, and I loved it for that reason, you know. So yeah, it, it kind of defied. You know, there's a lot of talk at the moment about people, fans not being happy because their expectations weren't met. And for me, like I had expectations of this and they weren't met at all. And that made it better. You know, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, no, it, it absolutely does. I know, Jim, when the show started, you know, we talked about the scale of it. It, it seemed uh, we, we said it seemed more intimate, more ensemble driven. Uh, the Clone Wars had this, you know, still had this very cinematic, galactic kind of. Look, and in a lot of ways, uh, I, I don't want to say that Re- Rebels played like a cartoon, I, but it did play more like a like a TV show in in in, in terms of scale. Um, do you think it ever really evolved beyond that, or did it always kind of maintain that same sort of tight, compact um, uh, ensemble piece that it that it started out with? Yeah, I think it, it maintained a relative consistency throughout its entire run. I think the first season was a, a really very nice tight season that showed the Empire from a regular person's perspective and what their impact was on just the normal everyday life. And I think that's something we didn't get to see too much of in any of the films or in the Clone Wars in general. Right. Uh, we were always dealing with Jedi and everything. I mean, we're dealing with normal people being oppressed by the empire in rebels. And that is kind of a different take on things compared to what we've seen so far. And then of course we've seen a little more of that impact happening with uh, rogue one, etc. but still, even those people were exceptional. It just feels like a guy like Ezra and having the, 
series being told from his perspective, essentially, you get that normal person sort of perspective on things. And so that's why I thought the first season had a lot of heart because it was dealing with that impact on Lothal directly. And uh, you get very comfortable with your environment. Then second season, it started to display the bigger picture about what's going on galaxy wide. And they introduced Darth Vader, brought back Ahsoka. And it really started to, in my opinion, gain a lot of momentum as far as being truly epic, especially by that season two finale. Then season three happened. And I'll have to admit, that's where I disagree with Paul a little bit, where I think the show did start to become a little unfocused. I uh, don't think we got a good payoff for the Bendu. And I never really cared much for the Bendu. Seemed kind of like an ass, if you want the honest opinion. <laughs> but, I mean, going to Adelon and dealing with the Bendu, I felt like, oh, okay, we're starting, to, we're starting to stumble a little bit. Then they brought back Darth Maul, and that almost felt like it was a mop-up job. They had to bring back Darth Maul. They had to clean up the fact that they weren't able to wrap up his story in the Clone Wars, which is where I think, you know, the, his story should have wrapped up. So they, they, they mopped up his story in Rebels. And then it moved back to Mandalore. We go back to Mandalore, which, in my opinion, is an environment and situation that it's already been spent. It's, the story has already been told about Mandalore. But now Mandalore. we're going back. And so Mandalore. And so it almost feels like a Mandachore to go back to Mandalore. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and take <laughs> and, and taking the focus away from Kane and Jarrus, which is something we talked about on the last roundtable, mm-hmm. I think was uh, something that I felt I felt a little betrayed by because I really had committed to his character mm-hmm. and it almost felt like he was sidelined. I feel like season four has kind of corrected some of those uh, tangents that started happening in season three and got the show back into the focus where it should be returning to Lothal season one and season four make terrific bookends for the entire series. And I think that the series on a whole did a great job in season four getting its wrap up. It seemed like all the loose ends were tied up here while still leaving some breathing room for some other things. Like I said, the Bendu, I still don't really get it. And maybe I'm just not given the old, the old Bendu enough, uh, you know, fair enough shake. And I just don't spend much time thinking about him, but the struggle between the people on Lothal against the oppressive empire, to me, that was a story that I could really sink my teeth into. Oh, another thing that, that, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling, but there's just one more thing I want to say about the third, the third, uh, season, Mm. bringing back Darth Maul and tempting, Ezra with the dark side, I think could have been something that really would have propelled Ezra as a character into some greater growth. And that didn't go as far as I I, really. I remember coming on the show to talk about those with you guys. And I agreed that it felt like it was a cliffhanger coming off two into three. And then it was resolved so quickly. And it was such a, an interesting thing to explore um because you're in this area where people don't have to fill those traditional roles as jedi or sith and maul wasn't representing traditional sith and ezra is not a traditional jedi or padawan so i just thought that should have been decompressed and explored more but that's a minor gripe so do you jimmy did you feel like that this series had to 
it was a it, it was a task to wrap up Mandalore, to wrap up Maul. They had to go back to Ahsoka because Clone Wars never let them finish it. Did you feel like it was burdened by that, or do you feel like it was organically integrated? At times, I felt like it was a little bit of a burden. Um, of course, I love to see Ahsoka come back. I love to see Rex come back. I think Rebels was really hitting its high marks when it was expanding mythology that was established in the Clone Wars. I totally agree with that. I absolutely, I think that is when the show really clicked for me. I, I totally agree with that, Jim. And then, and then you bring in Darth Vader. Now we're taking it up a, a whole nother level because, of course, you couldn't incorporate Darth Vader into the Clone Wars because Darth Vader didn't exist at that point in the timeline. So now you have Clone Wars elements competing with Darth Vader, and I felt like the series was really starting to chug along at that point. And then, like I said, I felt like it started to lose its focus a little bit. I felt like a return to Mandalore was extremely unnecessary, and I didn't. I just didn't. Because I like the Mandalores. I like the armor. I'm, I love Boba Fett. I like everything about it. But I just felt like it was sloppy seconds to what was served up mm. in the Clone Wars. It's not that interesting. It's like looking at Tonka trucks. It's just not that interesting. <laughs> uh, well, um, I, I, I would I, – I guess the, um, the question that I think has that, – that I'm asking myself the most, especially after seeing this, is the expansion of – our understanding of force users and the nature of the force itself. I feel like, you know, Kyle, if, if the legacy of the Clone Wars, let me just ask you this. The legacy of the Clone Wars is the fulfillment of the promise of Anakin Skywalker. I mean, to me, that... When I think of what the Clone Wars' best contribution was, it was that they that it finally nailed and created that hero image of Anakin Skywalker. Correct. What do you think is the legacy of Rebels? What might I, it I, be remembered? I for? think it's it's about the how the uh, it started from a a feeling to a way of life to a movement to a revolution. Hmm. And it's kind of like this evolution of the spirit of a rebellion. And you could see by the end of this show, it, it's it's done in the final episode in this little recap. And, you know, they said, it was just a nice moment where she's like, the, 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 the ships never came, you know, that they were waiting for. The Empire never came back to seek hmm. uh, retribution. And after the Battle of Endor, things kind of resolved and settled down after that big battle strike. And I think that's the bookend. It's that... These people did their small part, a huge part for them in their lives, um, the sacrifices and their commitment. But you knew that it was other places, other groups like them on other planets and other systems that were all doing this and they weren't alone. And it was that collective spirit and how this they grew from a little tiny ship with a few people. They added Ezra. It got a little bigger. They were kind of running small time stuff. They got ingratiated into the rebellion and it, it blossomed into a bigger thing. There was conflict between Hera and, and um, Kanan as to get, officially getting involved. And Kanan had been down that road and the stuff with the clones, uh, bringing them back, characters like Rex, and tying it all back to the, the last war and the nature of war and the monumentous toll of war. And so you had these characters with that prior experience being able to comment on it, and then you had characters that had no idea 
but just needed to fight like Ezra and to bring freedom to his world and honor his parents. So I, I really thought that, that this show was about, it's about a family. I wouldn't say it's about Anakin, but it's about how people come together and can change something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, I, I, I don't want to say I prefer this series to Clone Wars because Clone Wars has so many uh, wonderful episodes and I have and this is newer. So I'm saying that just because it's the thing that's fresh in my mind. But I think because it was streamlined and linear and it allowed characters, relationships mm. and um, Star Wars events to kind of anchor it and to, to gauge their growth. Um, it really became something special for me. I, I really felt well, it certainly characters. allowed you to grow with it. I mean, that's something that I will never understand. I, absolutely. And it's something that I will never understand about, the, not to make this about the Clone Wars, but I will never get, never be able to wrap my head around that bizarre uh, chronology that it had, that bizarre Well, George is a kooky frame. guy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, in a good is. way. He's yeah. experimenting. Yeah. And we wouldn't have gotten half those episodes if it was linear because – you'd feel the need in the poll mm. to stay in that Good dramatic point. arc of Ahsoka. And Ahsoka yeah. was, as much as it was Anakin Skywalker's, um, the reason for doing it was to show Anakin Skywalker as the hero, to give us that chapter in between the movies. Um, the reason it, it still was, it was Ahsoka's arc, but if you're doing it that way, you wouldn't get the tangential episodes. You wouldn't have gotten... Tandivo. You wouldn't have gotten Jar Jar with his girlfriend. <laughs> you wouldn't have gotten the Peppy Bo and the other girlfriend when they yeah. go to the um, uh, that other Force planet. And so as much as this one was about, as much as they both, I think this one explored the Force and allowed it to be uh, just to break the dichotomy of light and dark. Yeah. And Clone Wars did that too. And there were these other types of Force users Yep. And they began the, – the animated series are where we were able to um, break that traditional hold that we all have on this, the way we look at it as light and dark only, that there are shades to it. And Clone Wars did that and touched on it. And this, with characters like Bendu, um, that's what they were trying to do. And that Kanan, there was another way forward and he didn't have to gauge himself by – his masters and adhere to everything that they did that he can't master because he doesn't know and he wasn't trained to the level they were there. It was a way to let them know there is your own way forward, had a beautiful story to it. And then Ezra, the message that Kanan learns in prior seasons is passed to Ezra in this season to make these ultimate key decisions. Like you see that big decision in the recreation of, of the temple. That was a little weird that they brought the temple there. What was it? Was that stone by stone? That was on the ship. But yeah. why would it have those same properties reconstructed stone by stone by stone? Stone, and yeah. then if you have to block it by taking oh, it Ezra. apart, it was a little weird. I, I went with it just because uh, yeah. we could. Yeah, but, you kind of um, had to go on that journey. It, it, if you stop and think about it, you're like, that doesn't work because isn't the point of getting into the temple? I mean, there's probably subterranean levels, and this is all sitting on the deck of a ship and. Um, well, it was sort of like the holodeck, wasn't it? I mean, that, that portal. But it was a great scene. Yeah, it was a great uh, scene. That's, yeah, That's what I loved about yeah. it. So uh, you don't take this as literal, at least I don't, as I take the 
live action films. And maybe that's why current live action film has pained me so much, but I did feel much more release and emotion and melancholy and fulfillment from this and some of the deaths in this than I did mm. for what was uh, portrayed in the last Jedi, um, which is just, I, I, maybe it's a testament to the great work of the writers and the idea of having these characters really develop and grow with us. Um, right. I like Star Wars. This is the big thing. I like Dave Filoni makes new Star Wars. He goes out and he tells Star Wars stories. Uh-huh. And I don't want to get into the danger of telling stories about Star Wars, mm, which is yeah. what the live action well, trilogy looks like it's doing. It's having to go comment on Star Wars movies as opposed to just being new, fresh, dynamic, exciting, ballsy, warm, loving. It's fun. not it's not self-aware, oh. right? I mean, there is a self-awareness to where George yeah. self-aware. Not at all. To, really? But he just went, I want to do this, and he did it. it well, wasn't until like he got into, back. like, all the parody stuff. But, I mean, you know, he got he got kind of carried away by that. that. You know, for better or for worse, that's what they weren't. No, and in fact, just, I, the, the, the prequels were painfully unself-aware at, at times. Um, and Dave learned that from George. That yeah. It, that's, you know what it is? If you want to kill the past, you go do new Star Wars. You don't go talk about old Star Wars. And that's Dave is living it, whereas the other movie is just talking about it. Yeah, it, it's intellectualizing it to the well, point where it didn't connect with me. So that's what that's what's so great about this show is that it did it does it does what George wanted and it does what Dave's doing. Yeah, Paul. Um, when we stand back from Rebels and look at it in its totality, I mean, is it is it too simple to say that this show was about the liberation of Lothal? Is that well, it's certainly the beginning and the end, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess the problem they always, or not problem, but the difficulty they'd always encounter is being on a smaller budget than the Clone Wars. They could never deal with the same epic scope in quite the same way. And I think they were really super inventive because of that. I think that sometimes when you shove a show into a situation where it has limitations, you know, it can thrive because of that rather than, you know... Um, rather than being hindered by it. And I feel as though Rebels kind of did that. It's almost like, yeah, maybe they spent you know more time on Lothal than I would have liked at times. But um, it's just meant to be kind of symbolic or emblematic of the rest of the universe, isn't it? Mm. You know, so, so it's almost like, it's just like a slice of something. I mean, you can feel, feel almost as though right from the start, it, it, the focus was like, it's about this family, and it's about this small group of individuals, and that's where our focus is going to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when I was talking about kind of having expectations, you know, I think that just the name Rebels alone um, made it difficult for me initially because it wasn't what I pictured as, you know, when I thought about Rebels, you know. Yeah, right. And obviously right. I was thinking about the original Star Wars. Right. But then, you know, once I kind of got accustomed to it and used to the new characters and stuff, and I was totally on board with it, you know. Um, that was cool. But then in the middle, you know, when things got really particularly interesting for me were when Clone Wars characters started showing up, original trilogy characters started showing up. So that suddenly kind of pushed it into a different level for me. Um, But to the point where by the end, I was thinking for at least a couple of months, I've been thinking, well, by the end of this show, what we're going to end up with is this massive showdown and it's going to be like a bunch of hammerhead 
Corvettes. It's going to be, <laughs> you know, all these extraneous characters like Lando is going to show up and this character is going to show up and Leia is going to show up and it's going to be this huge, you know, epic battle that we got in Return of the Jedi. And obviously it was nothing of the sort. It was all about the characters that the, the whole story was about. So, I mean, obviously that was the right choice. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't about the rebels from within the Jedi or, or Star Wars. It was about the rebels in the show. And, um, you know, they managed to kind of keep it, you know, they didn't change what the show was just for the sake of spectacle. So right, I think right. It know, always seemed like when the, when the classic characters came in, they came yeah. in to serve the the cast of rebels as opposed to the other way around where the rebels characters were yeah. there surrounding the, the the classic characters to kind of put them over um yeah yeah um I mean, but but speaking but but speaking of of classic characters uh jim there are classic characters and then there are classic characters and this these episodes delivered uh, a major classic character in a big way with the return of ian mcdermott as as the emperor and the the thing about for me the animated emperor is that he's a lot more we never really see in the films this version of the emperor that we saw in clone wars as well as in uh in rebels this emperor that's obsessed with uh, with history and um uh, expanding, you know, we see it a lot in the in the Plagueis novel. Uh, this character that's 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 fascinated by um, all of the uh, traditions and not traditions, I, I, the the mysticism of mm. of the Force and and mm-hmm. all of that. Very different from sort of almost a uh, I don't know kind of. You know, a military, more military leader that we see in 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 the films. I think you know, obsessed with big weapons and and you know, in, incredible uh, mechanical power and all of that. This emperor is very much, very different. Is what I'm is what I'm trying to communicate. At least for me, um, how do you think that um, this emperor that we saw lines up with the live action films, the Clone Wars? prequels all of that well i'll tell you what it does work with the history of the emperor the novelization for the original star wars 1976 written by alan dean foster it has that prologue that sort of sets you up for everything you're going to read in the book kind of kind of puts the state of the galaxy in its place in that prologue it says palpatine shut himself off from the populace Mm-hmm. And he was the only people who could get access to him were uh, bureaucrats and bootlickers and uh, people who wanted to try to control him in a way that would make the empire function. But it wasn't like Palpatine was going out addressing people like crowds of people. You know, he wasn't people had to hear from him, though. Yeah. He, he's the ruler of the galaxy. So. I found it interesting that he was being presented to Ezra as the Palpatine prior to the uh, force lightning damage that he sustained from the battle with Mace Windu. We see him more like the Palpatine we see in the prequels. You know, I'm talking physical appearance now. Yeah, I'll get yeah. into all the, the sure. weird stuff he's into in just a second. But um, he's a as freak. As, you might as well. He's a freak, that guy. He's, he is a little freaky. He is a little freaky. Uh-huh. But I mean, so we, we know this, that he's been he, he's not that accessible. And um, 
but he would probably still make public addresses via hologram, via the holla channels or whatever, um, the holla net. And when he does so, he must do it with this this hologram disguise that presents yeah. him as the old Palpatine, you know, he does make a public appearance. We see in revenge of the Sith, obviously when he declares that, you know, there there's an empire and, and he, you know, says he's he's, due to his battle with the Jedi. It's left him scarred and deformed. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously he was using that to gain support from the public by saying, look what the Jedi did to me and I'm working for you guys. So that was part of the downfall of the Jedi. And of course, as Palpatine does, he exploits any situation he can find, even if it comes down to his own disfigurement, he's going to learn how to use that and make it work for him. It surprised me though, when we see pre-scarred Palpatine being presented to Ezra and it got me thinking, well, this must just be how Palpatine communicates with the public. He does it via hologram. I was thinking that, uh, too. Yeah. You know, probably probably some claim about his his personal safety is why he has to do it. And when he does it, he presents himself as being handsome and normal and not scarred at the foam. Yeah, right. And so so that I found that interesting because yeah. knowing from what the novelization told us in 1976, the emperor had shut himself off from the public. And what was he doing? He was standing over that cauldron, mm-hmm. conjuring up all of these spells and stuff and really working on shaping and manipulating the dark side to make it work for him becoming a wizard. And, uh, yeah. through, through all that, he, he discovers ways to access much more, Arcane. Didn't it's we very see arcane. using that? Um, yeah, that's that what I was trying to get. At, yeah. and flame in the there was an episode in Clone Wars. Remember yeah, where they the go Lost to the, Dar- the Darth Bane one? Yes, mm-hmm. with Yoda, the Lost Missions, the final arc. You do see Palpatine with that crazy cauldron once again. And was it blue flame? That's oh, that's I'm a good question. On. That's a great question. But um, I do feel like I didn't didn't throw me off because I was like I've seen him do this and here he was doing it uh, twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it lined up for me. It really did. It's just it's such yeah. a different side of Palpatine that you never see in the films. It's not even really alluded to in the films. I mean, the most kind of mystical he gets is when he's telling the story of, of Darth Plagueis the Wise. But outside of that, it's all about military might, machinery, power, all of that. Oh, um, really? I always got that he was this yeah. super mystical. The, even the music whenever he's on screen was... Ominous, ancient, religious, choral. It didn't feel like he was so caught up in the now. He yeah. there was a patience to him, even burying his saber inside of these old statues, knowing that one day, years later, he would get it. Like yeah. he just seems like a well-read, well-learned, like student of the dark side. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that that is that that's emerging. It's it's just not. It was never anything I really, um, you know, picked up on. Um, but but it's think, it's it's a cool yeah go ahead Paul the the thing I thought was kind of interesting about this was just how it was interesting to hear Ian um, play Palpatine in this era because we haven't heard him play Palpatine in this era like mm-hmm. quite in this way I mean like prequel era sure I guess but 
Uh, yeah, there was just something about hearing him do that voice again. He was almost creepier as Palpatine than he was the full Emperor. You know, like yeah, just, yeah, just a right. normal, just being nice. You know, like you yeah. live a lie and yeah. all this. It's just he's like, like the serial killer that you know. He's like the yeah. charming serial just killer. Creepy. Yeah, I yeah. love the performance. I love the f- performance because he was whispering. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, th- yeah. That's something that really added onto it, he, where he knew he was he was playing Ezra's desires, mm-hmm. and you know by whispering him, it was just being he wasn't like commanding him; he's just being more suggestive, and that that you know made Ezra consider possibly. It, it was a very over. different um, seduction, you know, the seduction of Anakin in Episode Three um was was a little more subdued but 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 still very aggressive do it you know yeah. um mm. now kill him you know uh, then of course what you see oh. in 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 the original trilogy in return of the jedi is a very aggressive type seduction not trying to be charming at all um but this one was very and i think it it, it probably you know knowing dave he was probably thinking about Ezra's age he was probably thinking about now how would you know someone approach and, and attempt to to seduce this this child um well, i was always reticent and hesitant about the idea of even seeing the emperor and ezra in a scene together when this started i was like i hope they don't yeah. go there so mm. they had to do it differently mm. and the reason i think he's different with anakin is because anakin he needs him as a person as a vessel as a tool mm. ezra he needs one thing out of him he knows this person isn't the future and he's not going to be anything special that he's going what to What does he want from Ezra? What, is Ezra? what does to Ezra have thing. that the Emperor needs? To open this thing. He's Access into the, the world between yeah. worlds. That's it. He doesn't need him for anything else. That's why he's, he was happy to, to kill him in that other dimension in um, World Between yeah. Worlds. Uh-huh. He was happy to kill him and Ahsoka in that. Ahsoka is more powerful than Ezra, and he's not trying to like capture her and convert her. We also lost all the Inquisitors throughout Season 4. It felt like that was just dropped. Which was okay, oh, yeah. but um, Did but the, you could see uh, he was ready to replace them or kill them. And that that's episode. a that's a great that is a really great point. He really has you never get the impression that he has any interest in Ezra or Ahsoka as a potential uh, apprentice. And the reason he has to take a different appearance is because Ezra just saw him as the evil, vindictive, hooded man, and so he takes the more. Mm. Um, appealing younger man, the visage of somebody much more um, a grandfather, as more more entertaining and much more grandfatherly. And yeah. since he just lost a fatherly figure, he's almost wearing kind of clothing like his own father. You know, yeah. um, it felt like he was wearing Lotharian garb. You know, just little subtle things to get in his head. But yeah, he he had to take a different appearance. A because he exposed himself uh, in the previous one, and and. And B, because he just needed a thing from him. And it, is, it wasn't a long-term thing like the Anakin play. This is just like, give me my thing. And if not, I'll crush you. And Anakin's yeah. like, well, listen. I mean, and so Ezra's like, since that's all you need from me, I'm going to crush it anyway. You know? Kyle, let me ask you this, Kyle, real quick. What do you think would have happened if Ezra took the bait and crossed over into that portal and was with his parents? What was that set up? What, was that part of the world between worlds? Uh, what was happening there? Did we lose Kyle? We must have lost Kyle. I, I'd have I see him so. there. Yeah, I see him there sit. too. That's definitely what I seemed. Did he mute himself? Uh, maybe. But Paul, if you got a thought, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Share it with us. But just, just you know, I, I feel, I thought exactly that. I, I feel as though you know, whenever we've 
seen any of these moments, they feel like they're they're the same place. You know, they're supernatural. We've got no reason to assume that there's lots of different places like this. You know, and it felt like a window into the past. And so even though it wasn't the same doorway that he went through or the same sort of situation, I just kind of assumed that it was the same because it was just, you know, just the other week. That's what we were looking at. So I just went with that. But uh, looks like we dropped Carl. Yeah, you know, it reminded me, um, and, and we, oh, Kyle, he can, he should be able to jump back on as soon as he gets reconnected. Cool. We shouldn't have to yeah. dial him back up. Um, but I wanted, I, I, I thought, and, you know, as we're talking about Palpatine, I wanted to mention, and um, Paul, you know the Harry Potter world quite well, <laughs> having literally, <laughs> was literally been in it. You were there. Um, that's great. I, I was there. Um, but uh, th- th- there were a lot of influences Sorry. that I felt. Oh, it's okay. Um, but there were a lot of influences in this episode that I felt. I really felt a strong Harry Potter influence. I felt some Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. I certainly close felt encounters. Star Trek. Yeah, Close Encounters. Well, I felt well, a lot. I, felt, I really felt that like City on the Edge of Forever, like that the world between oh, yeah. worlds was very much that, especially when he talks about all these infinite possibilities, you know, and that's what the world between worlds yeah, was. You know, you know so Kyle, you know, they, you know what, sorry, Paul, but now that Kyle's back, before okay. my question to him gets lost in the ether, um, Kyle, I don't know if you actually heard my question, but it was, uh, what do you think would have happened if Ezra took the bait and crossed over in through that portal to be with his parents? I don't, I mean, I don't think he would have, but I think it would have been a ruse. I think what the emperor was showing him was not necessarily a manifestation of the actual properties of the temple because the emperor couldn't unlock it. I, so I think mm. he was tantalizing him with, a falsehood. Um, Boy, that is really that. That is something that I had not thought of. That Kyle, keep your train of thought. But I because I don't believe that 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 was not coming temple, from the temple. That that was coming from Palpatine. Was, right. Yeah, and Palpatine was also able to unlock his um, uh, his you know the the cuffs on him at, yeah. at such a great distance. So it's not like he was able to manipulate the space because he was already manipulating other things and manipulating his appearance there to project it there. But um, I felt like that was something he manifested as part yep. of the show. But I could be wrong. I, I don't think you are. I think you're dead right. He can't harness the power of that of that portal. It was not open at that point. He could so, look, he could look through it, right? He could look through it. You're right. They talk about that. Dave He couldn't go that. through it. But I mean I assumed he's looking through it and the whole reason that scenario is happening is because he can open a portal but he can't go through it without kind of basically attaching himself to somebody. So I, I expected him to just kind of jump on Ezra's back as he went through or something. Yeah. You well, know? Yeah, I don't know. He definitely needed Ezra, obviously, t- to open it all the way. But I'm intrigued, but Kyle, by what you're talking about, which is it's almost like Palpatine is creating an illusion within an illusion in a way. Yes. Uh, with, with, with that. Um, but uh, we were talking um, – also, Paul, about the different influences, and I had mentioned yeah. Star Trek and the City on the Edge of Forever and Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, um, and you were going to – you had something you were going to say along those well, lines. You know, the, all the moments of just approaching the mothership in Close Encounters, there was a lot of mm. that. There was, there was – and even the, mo- the hand movements to open the doorway felt a little bit like the hand signals to the aliens and mm. that kind of thing. And then there were there were a few little Raiders moments too that I just, where I just kind of felt yeah that feels a lot like Raiders hard to kind of pin down what but well in the but, idea of the of the um, 
of the uh, the building or the the imperial capital there be actually being a ship i thought of the x-files movie um yeah, I mean, it kind of felt like you know when they're ex- excavating the Ark in places that, mm. like that oh, across yeah. that, that cross with the the whole kind of approach to Devil's Tower and close. Also, to the two thousand and one excavation yeah. of the monolith yeah, the when it's a yeah. little adept, it's more subterranean. Definitely, I mean, my 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 biggest reaction to this when everybody was talking about uh, the Golden at the Edge of Forever from the City of the Edge of Forever, I, I just thought, well, that that's really interesting. Uh, it was it was cool that Dave kind of clarified. The, the in his perspective if you went through any door but the one you came through you're a dead man you know that basically you couldn't kind of go through a different door that so it was almost like the guardian but you can just use it to observe or, or step out for a moment but you've got to step back in you got to step or back stay in, in from place. where you came yeah, yeah. i mean and and yeah. but i mean that what made that instantly made me feel was well how do we know that <laughs> How do we know that when Obi-Wan vanished and Luke vanished, that this isn't where they went? <laughs> we don't what? know. We don't know. And, well, and why was Maz Kanata there? <laughs> well, yeah, I, what did that, that have to do with anything? Well, I, no, I, 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 I guess that no, what, no, she's not a force user. She's not. Why was she in this magical space? Where well, all the we, force spirits well, we don't know for sure that she's not a force user. Is it we know that she's point thing, though, you know. We know is that it, she's a, you. You are right, Couch. That she was a little out of place. I guess I if sort of bought it. Then why, is, why is there a big deal about Broom Boy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is yeah. it the Last Jedi asterisk? By the way, there's 20 other dudes, or is it the Last Jedi? Like, she's not a Force user. They, that was an abandoned concept from that. So why is Maz Kanata there commenting on stuff? Like Maz a, definitely. She, she hasn't passed away. So why is she? Yeah. Right, you know, I, it's it's just the it force. The, the the force connects to everything. So I mean, you, I don't think you have to necessarily be a force user. But Chewie's going to be there. Chewie's going to be like, <laughs> well, but but hold on a second though. I do no, think that Maz. That's not. That's no bueno. Maz has a connection to the force. She's not a Jedi. She might not necessarily be a force user. But she so, definitely so has a connection Shmi. to the force. Why isn't Shmi there? Like, Shmi gave birth to a force. Well, maybe she she There's a lot of windows. Yeah, that's true. We didn't hear everything. But you know what? By the way, I highly recommend, this is going to sound silly, but watch the uh, watch the episode, that particular episode, with the closed captioning. Because yes. it does yeah. tribute the, yeah. uh, all the different voices you hear. So there are some things I didn't catch. Except one yeah. of them. It misattributes. Yes, um, you're right. Um, it's Obi Wan, and it's not, or and vice it's not. versa. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do attribute Obi Wan, and it's it's. You're right, absolutely. Right. I found it interesting that when Ahsoka summoned the Conver, the owl, over to her, and she said, "This owl has saved my life," or whatever mm-hmm. she said, "Owl or my life." Mm-hmm. You you hear the the daughter whispering mm-hmm. in the background. Yeah, and that to me is you know an obvious sign that the owl is physical embodiment of the daughter. On the uh, you know outside of Mortis, so yeah, yeah. I, I, is it I possible? It. And the daughter died, of course. I mean, it all fits with what they said about the wolf being a potential kind of communication device for uh, for Kanan. Yeah, they're so, working I mean, they, through. They say, don't they? Right? They say they're, at some point you can use the force to work through. Yeah, to work through these animals. And I think Jim, it might have been you that mentioned this on the last episode. Um, that is this a is this a step down from actually being able to retain your identity after going, you know, becoming one with the force? Is this a, is this a lower uh, 
version or a lower skill where you actually still have to work through, you know, another living creature as opposed to being able to maintain that identity um, outside. I, th- I think it might have been you, Jim, that, that, that mentioned right. no, it. Was, it was me or maybe it was Bill. But um, I mean, do we, we think sound that enough, that's what, we sound enough alike? You do. You do. <laughs> uh, but is that is that is that plausible here? Is the is the animals that the that the characters are working through who have passed on? Is it because they just haven't attained that level of understanding that later, you know, Qui Gon does, Yoda does, Obi Wan does, and 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 we can assume probably Luke will. Wow, I don't know. You know, the daughter was sort of um, a physical embodiment of the force itself you yeah. know of the light side of the force so uh why would she need such a device if she's like you know something of uh almost a godlike? yeah she can take many forms but many mortis forms. was an amplification of the force which allowed them to manifest the way they did right right so she might need some form of augmentation beyond the realm of Mortis. She's bad. As long as we're as long as we're talking about Mortis, me and Paul were talking about Mortis on uh, Star Wars influences last week, and uh, there there were a couple of things that I wanted to clear up real quick. We uh, couldn't recall if Mortis was ever referred to again in the Clone Wars series following. Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi-Wan having their experience on Wasn't it in the Lost episodes? It was in the Lost episodes. We could not re- recall. And uh, yeah. I, I ended up watching that episode over the course of the last week. It's in the first um, the first one of the, the final Yoda arc. And uh, Anakin and Yoda are talking on the, the roof of the Jedi Temple or in by some sort tree, of like open right? plaza on the Jedi Temple. Yeah, by the tree. And uh, Yoda does mention Mortis. He does mention that. Mm. And um, and so obviously Mortis is something that has been talked about around the uh, the Jedi Temple. And uh, because I found it so confusing that when um, uh, that Imperial who was working there at the excavation site was Hayden. reporting to Palpatine to the emperor and and the emperor knew. Right. He said, yeah, that's these images. We've been seeing them in the Jedi library. So either Mortis is something that's been ancient knowledge of the Jedi and only accessible to certain Jedi masters in the Jedi library, or all of that stuff was entered into the Jedi library following Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka's venture there. Where what it sounds probably- like from the volume they're talking about. It didn't say there was an instance of it mentioned. Yes, yeah, right, right. They it did sounds say like there was several there was a volume. And a whole like litany of instances. So, but obviously, this is not something that's commonly taught at the Jedi Temple. No, Kenobi was a Jedi Master, and he had no knowledge. How did Yoda react to that at the end of that episode? I'm trying to recall when they don't they come back into real space. Yeah, but Rex just says uh, you you weren't at the coordinates. Uh, where were you? And uh, doesn't Anakin say something like, oh, "You wouldn't believe me if I told you, Rex." <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did, did you guys spot the um did you guys spot the dune reference like a really literal one like there's the, the famous line he who controls controls the spice controls the universe and in this he just goes he who controls it controls the universe yes. okay but let's let's, let's stay focused on mortis here for in a the second form of tatooine <laughs> i want to stay yeah. focused on mortis here for just a second longer okay um the other thing is is during influences 
last week. And I just want to, you know, clarify because sometimes people think that everything we say on this show is like gospel. <laughs> but mm. I couldn't recall if the Mortis father, if we actually saw him die. And we do. We see him become one with the force. He fades away and his crown is left there. I think I said on the show last week that we don't actually see him pass away. I don't know why I said that. I had a brain fart. But it's not all my fault because Paul didn't correct me either. So you better stop laughing, Bateman. We're in this together, pal. I was just letting you unravel, mate. So good. But I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, right. I just wanted to bring Yeah, like, like you ever miss an opportunity to correct me. Now, come on. So I just wanted to throw that out there in case people were listening to the show last week and maybe they haven't seen the Mortis trilogy in a number of years and they're they're taking what I said, you know, is is fact and it's it's not a fact at all. We we do see the father become one with the force. That's the good stuff. Those those were some great episodes, man. They are. I was going through some Mortis fatigue too, but I rewatched that trilogy and yes, it still stands up there as some extremely high quality Star well, Wars. Well, and stories. let's keep in mind guys that this it is one of the last major mythological contributions that George made himself to Star Wars. I mean, that was game changing I think for the mythology and it came from the maker. So Now not to be nitpicky, why were there wolves? Um, well, that's a, Dave, that's a Dave. That's a Dave. That's a Dave. Yeah, I, I understand. Dave I know Dave gets his. Dave loves wolves. He has an amazing Miyazaki, relationship and affinity with wolves. I'm glad it's wolves and wolf pack. They did that with with Clone Wars. But I'm just trying to reconcile wolves as part of the Mortis um, imagery. Yeah, that's a tough one. It was a little weird for me. It was, uh, 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 maybe it's because it was the Lotholian version of a Mortis worshiping Jedi sect. Um, I didn't understand a, the prominence of Mortis within the Jedi temple, which to me meant if this was a Jedi temple and they said they saw it in the Jedi records, then clearly it wasn't just about the Anakin experience. So Mortis is, is, is there. And then if other people went there, um, how were the Jedi then factored into that greater, um, cosmic hierarchy? Uh, obviously there are subservient in a sense to Mortis and Mortis would want to procure Anakin as a balancer because he's so powerful. But for the most part, they wouldn't care about any other mortal Jedis. These people are gods. They're celestials. I guess guess what I chalked it up to, I I would just real quick, Paul, I just want to say um, that I I sort of assume that the Jedi temple on Lothal was built as a monument uh, to the uh, Mortis gods and perhaps the Loth wolves, um, you know, were incorporated into the design and, and and because perhaps the Loth wolves were considered also somewhat holy or, or, or having some, you know, guardian type qualities. So, you know, not unlike the, you know, the Egyptians that might have you know done something similar to protect their gods. That's kind of what I chalked it up to was that the wolves were sort of a a, a local um, infusion into the overall, you know, That's what, OK. That's I what I was figuring. I think it's also kind of that mythological thing of the, you know, you start talking about coyote, coyotes in mythology and, you know, it's a very similar kind of thing with all that path working and all those kind of, you know, mythical journeys. You know, the wolves feature quite a lot in those kind of stories, don't they? What I was going to say was, what I'm wondering is if, if Daughter came back as an owl and Kanan is kind of communicating through a wolf, is Luke going to come back as a rabbit in episode nine? 
A rabbit. <laughs> why a rabbit? Why, why not uh-huh. a womp rat? A womp rat would be yeah, more apt because he spent, he spent his time uh, <laughs> shooting him down his T-16 back home. Yeah, right. Yeah. They'll beat him yeah. up. They'll pick on him. Like, oh, my God. Now, see, that shows that the Force has a sense of humor, and I <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, I think Luke is, you know, ha- has moved on, but I, I don't, you know, Luke's story is far from over, and I and hopefully we'll have a chance, you know, maybe after the... The home video release uh, comes out. We, you know, we, there's certainly lots more for us to say on Rebel Force Radio about the Last Jedi, and I think a lot more is going to be revealed. At, you know, we'll be looking at the novelization as well as the deleted scenes, and, and it, it certainly will be lots of time to revisit the Last Jedi um, as we get excited about uh, Solo. Um, but I do want to talk. Uh, you know, um, when we were talking about those those influences. Um, you know, I was thinking about the mirror of Erised with, uh, you know, Ezra looking at a world with his with his parents still there and that sort of uh, uh, temptation. Um, I was thinking about uh, when you when, when Ahsoka appears at the very end uh, in the epilogue at, as she and Sabine go on to find Ezra, supposedly. I was thinking of almost like, you know, Gandalf the Gray versus Gandalf the White. And she's now like you know, Ahsoka the White. Um, so just a Did, lot of things that I, I feel really influenced this, uh, even outside of Star Wars. You saw the, you saw the, the, the piece that, where Dave was communicating about the, the way that he was, no way was he going to release the, uh, the pattern of, or was Ahsoka's it the designs clothing. of Ahsoka's clothing for that yeah. one moment? Because no, it was, I didn't see that. It mattered. Yeah. Or something. There's just a little piece where he, he was sort of saying it, it. It had a, it maybe um, harbored importance in reference to um, Ahsoka's time when she was uh, self-exiled. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And so, but he doesn't want to step on that. And maybe its own thing, or it may change. Uh, people are contemplating was her staff with the hollow moon at the top. Oh, right, right, right. Um, staff, supposed to yeah. be. It, you know, has like a circular, a circular mm-hmm. open circle. There's a circularity to it. I wonder what it's saying about the force. But people are like, is that a staff saber? Um, I so, think it's like a little mini portal, and she's just going to go around and fix everything they cock up. I, I okay. actually like the way they went back and the way Dave was so evasive. Is she alive? Is she dead? Like at that event when he swapped his uh, his t-shirt, his shirt. Yeah, right? Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. Um, he played with everybody. He's been such a great sport with all of the fans and talking about it and saying just enough and teasing more and not having to come out after it and justify and do a parade to try and like win fans over. You know what I mean? Yeah, he just right, gets it right. right. The no, first just... time as we've seen a parade recently for certain chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave doesn't have to go. He doesn't have to explain it. He doesn't need columns of people talking about why the movie, why the show is good. It's good, right? That's good. I'm, Star Wars, good. Star Wars is good without an explanation. Yeah, he, Dave. Dave has never gone around and and sort of made excuses, you know, for for himself or or, or what he's doing, and he never comes across. That's the amazing thing about Dave. And in, in, in the early days, I mean, it, it's hard now with the way celebration is. But in my day, I remember when Dave would, you know, show up to after parties, and you know, he'd mix it up with the fans right there and stand there, not debate, but 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 have these these great discussions and it, but it was never making excuses. It was, it was, he always appreciates, you know, other people's ideas and opinions and, and um, just does it in such a classy way. I mean, I, I, that's, 
That's that's Dave. He's a class act. He is a and class act. I know act. there was no just people talking about, you know, is Dave able to do a live action Star Wars? Are they vocationally different? No, you're a storyteller. And at that level of filmmaking, too, there is so much of it is prevised, ditched. You're working with the same type of uh, people, bringing characters, uh, CGI to life, lighting experts. You're working visual effects experts. He has the same type of staff under him there. And he's been telling Star Wars in the spirit of GL now for an amount of time we should be blessed to have had him. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And before that, for him, he's been like they're yeah. developing that series. And um, he is fully capable of directing a live I think, action I think Star it's Wars an, film, I think a live it's action inevitable. Star Wars trilogy. I think it's madness that – I don't know if this is true – but if there's people up there that don't let him, that's madness. Because uh, he's how would you let a guy that's done one movie direct? You yeah. know, well, the, well, the, the, the fans the fans are to starting to yeah the, the, yeah the fans are starting to out and out demand it, <laughs> especially after this this series wrapped up. And um, I think it's something that they're going to have to pay attention to at some point. Um, There's two series of calling cards saying, here's my Star Wars. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's the best audition it's, tape ever. It's clearly <laughs> it's clearly super complex, many layered, involves loads of people, and it's super, super difficult to make great Star Wars. You know, even George found it a struggle at times, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah, I just kind of think, like, Wars. after... But Recently. then I look at... Yeah, but then I look Rogue at everything that... Team. Yeah, I mean, but I, I look at everything that that uh, Dave has, you know, led in, in the whole time he's been developing things, and you just kind of feel, how could you be better qualified? I mean, you know, as uh, I, I think my my first comment about the idea of Dave doing something like that is like, well, how much animation do you think is in a Star Wars movie? A lot, <laughs> yeah. You know, so like, yeah. you know, the only thing that differentiates it is being out on location. Or dealing with actors in a physical way, you know, that that in a way that maybe is a bit more. Well, you see how hands on. Than, you see how hands on Dave seems to be in the voiceover sessions and all of that. Yeah, and plus working with know, the he's, actors. He's dealing with animators in a very specific way. They're actors too. Yeah, you know right. those those guys. You know, he still needs to tell them how to stage the scene and how to block the scene, and you know. Yeah. So it's crazy. Well, I mean, I just they. Think, they the the two guys that they fired from Solo didn't they just do like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs or what, what, what was it Lego right. Movie yeah yeah Lego yeah. Movie that's right that's yeah. right so but that's also it's very guys. they were doing a very different tone animated film whereas Dave is literally yeah. operating a within the franchise and mythology yes. mm-hmm. and b within a comparable tone mm-hmm. uh, and he knows everybody up there and I feel like as mm. the, the way it seems like if everyone respects him like a resource including Kathleen. Kennedy and they included him like even at the celebration on the stage going through the, mm. you know, the generations. Um, I just hope that he's, he's not overshadowed while they're chasing somebody just because their movie yeah, randomly had you, a big You almost weekend. hope that he's not like just such an obvious choice that he gets taken for granted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just don't take him for granted, you know? Yeah. All right. Take a brief pause here and tell you about our friends over at Utini. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking with our pal Corey at Utini. And Corey is really changing the way that people are experiencing Star Wars books. His team has created a -a one-of-a-kind Star Wars book subscription service that sends you a new book every month. And they've been working on a ton of great new projects. Uh, One of our favorites is what they're calling the Utini Bookshelf. And this thing is 
really great. See, when you become a Utini subscriber, you never receive a book that you already own. And to make that possible, they had to build a system where subscribers could record their existing collection, and that's exactly what they have done here. Yeah, so the Utini bookshelf is awesome. It's seriously one of my favorite things that we've done. Several years ago, I wanted to know how many Star Wars books I had already read myself, so I made this really stupid Excel sheet that would, you know, had all the titles and the authors and the star dates and all that type of stuff in it. And you could put like a little check mark in it next to all the ones you had read or you owned. Uh, it's on Reddit somewhere. You could probably find it. Um, but yeah, I, I knew that that needed to be somewhere, right? So that's what we created at, at Utini. We created the Utini bookshelf. So it's this really cool collection tool where users can log in. They create an account. They can sort of click through and add all the books they already own um, to their collection. And we can see that too. And that, that's what helps ensure us that we never send send people books they already own because we can see their existing collections. You know, Jason, that's the thing a lot of people have been talking about when they talk to us about Utini is how amazing the bookshelf tracker is. And uh, what's great about it is that you don't even have to be a Utini user to use the bookshelf. You don't have to be a subscriber. It's open to everyone. It's a really great system. But Corey has told me countless numbers of times that he wants to quickly expand the system and it requires your help. Yeah, right now we're still really small, but we're constantly looking for people to bring to our team. We desperately need coders, developers, people that work in web development to help us build out these types of tools. If we want to keep offering them for free, we really have to build this initial framework out so we can copy this into other types of collection markets. And that kind of goes for anybody that wants to help out with different types of things, whether it's writing or blogging or helping us with social media. There's a contact us page on our website. So be sure to reach out and we'll get a conversation going because we're definitely trying to build a community here. So you heard it folks contact Utini to see about joining their team and helping to make this kind of thing possible. Uh, we've mentioned it before, but be sure to check out the new official Utini slash RFR subscription. This is one that we created. We're calling it a new Darth every month. It's a monthly dose of some of our favorite dark side themed books and graphic novels including awesome titles like darth plagueis one of my favorite books the darth vader graphic novel the darth bane series and more if you've never read any of the bad guy themed books now is the perfect chance so head over to utini.com slash rfr to check out the rebel force radio bag if you want to learn more about how Corey has made Star Wars books every month a reality just go to utini.com slash rfr that's y-o-u T-I-N-I dot com slash R-F-R. And, of course, this week, the long-awaited novelization for Star Wars The Last Jedi by Jason Fry hit bookshelves this week. And, of course, it hit Utini. And so th those are flying out to Utini subscribers right now to celebrate this launch. We worked with Utini to uh, give a copy away to one lucky Rebel Force Radio listener who also follows Utini underscore us on twitter at utini underscore us on twitter all you had to do to become eligible to win was tweet i want to read hashtag star wars the last jedi with at utini underscore us and at rebel force radio we chose a winner via random prior to uh, this show and that winner was bianca christine at bianca christine on twitter 
She tweeted out what she needed to tweet out to win, and she won. So congratulations, Bianca. Thank you so much, uh, Utini. And uh, to get in on all the great action they have going on at Utini, visit utini.com slash RFR. Um, So I do want to talk a little bit more about this expanding the force. And, you know, Star Wars has always, uh, Jim, has always been about, I mean, I think I learned what the word destiny meant because of Star Wars. You know, there was always, you know, it is your destiny. Yes. It is your destiny. Right. Your destiny a lot, mm-hmm. if that is your destiny. Um, and, but yet we see this, uh, this world between worlds where if harnessed, you know, it could, you, you could do anything. It's, it's like a time machine. It, it, it's, it's, you know, perhaps the most powerful uh, force in the universe or maybe the highest manifestation of, of the actual uh, cosmic force uh, in the galaxy, um, how do you how do you reconcile this idea of of destiny versus this world between worlds that has all these infinite possibilities? They, 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 on the surface, they seem kind of incompatible in a way. Oh dear God, you asked me <laughs> the toughest question because we're talking about time travel, and I don't know, you know, I don't care how you package it or what you call it. The ability to travel back in time and change the course of events, it's time travel. And uh, that's always been sort of a slippery slope when uh, being applied to Star Wars in the rare occasions it actually has been applied. I can't think of any examples right off the top of my head either. But um, the ability to change things. This is when I start really drawing a thick line between animated canon and theatrical canon because it seems like it's a device that can thrive in the animated realm but I don't I don't want it mucking up the movies that I already love so much is what I'm trying to say yeah and so I I that's a, that's a concept that has evolved within the realm of animated Star Wars, and I would be comfortable if it stayed within that realm. Hmm. Same it works thing with, there, right? Yes, right. Um, it, it can work within the medium. I don't think it'd be so friendly in a major motion picture release, but I think in this medium, episodic shows where a lot is going on and the ability to go back in time and yank someone out of reality into the world between worlds is um, that's a, it's a really tough pill for me to swallow right now because you can go back and change anything and any point of the Star Wars timeline with access to this this dimension and that makes me nervous because it's too simple i'd like star wars to be more about humans going through human experiences and reacting like a human would yeah you can't you know traveling through time to to change things or fix things and everything and that's sort of the lesson that we're being taught in this episode that's why ahsoka doesn't go back with ezra and doesn't make herself but she does though doesn't she I mean, eventually, well, we we have to assume no, that she she goes back to where she started, doesn't she? Because those steps yes. in that doorway are the same thing. But she's then still she on Malachor. Up, but then she but, ends but, up with uh, with Sabine at the end, right? Yes, but yeah, that's, that's she cross over. What? That's, by, pulling, by pulling her out of that timeline and into this, 
is he not making for her the choice that he is not making for himself? Well, no, because he's... Did she not make a choice uh, yeah, to go and lock herself in there with him and commit to this? So by him not taking an alternate route or going to touch his parents, but then by forcing her to do so, so he, he's saving her life. Well, I don't think... I think in that... There's I, ramification I, I'm gonna, I'm, on the time. There is ramification. I, I would give him a pass because I don't think at that moment he really knew what he was dealing with. Or what he was doing. By the time he gets to the portal with Canaan, he's fully aware that he's changing history and changing Canaan's destiny and robbing Canaan of his moment to fulfill his destiny. Well, here's what would have happened if Ezra did that. If Ezra did that, he would cease to exist because the the explosion would have destroyed the ship without Kanan there to give it the force push away. So if Ezra pulled Kanan through the portal, Ezra would cease to exist. Yeah. No, because Ezra could have force pulled, Kanan force pushed, and the second he force pushed, he force pulls him through the portal. Boom. But that looked um, like it would be too late. I mean, it looked like Kanan was doing know. the force you're, push you are, as you he was correct, being. I'm talking about, that was an instance where it was on a precipice of death. Mm. I'm talking about he pulled Ahsoka out of an instance where she was at the precipice of her death, thereby altering the history. And it's not about their history. I'm talking about Anakin Skywalker, the central character in this entire saga. Didn't um, didn't that didn't that door kind of? I was trying to figure it out. She's is she go, is she going back through chronologically, like you know, the same number of minutes on from when she left her own world, if you like. Like so, say she was she was pulled out at twelve o'clock. And then she, is she going back in at five past twelve through the same door, or is she going in like at, at a point where she's just going to go back to the fight because there's the steps in the doorway again? And no, the fight was over, long, long gone. Yeah, I felt I mean, like it, she went back to a uh, a year later. A year but here's later. the deal, Anakin Skywalker. How a year later? How do you, how do you get that? How do you get that she yeah. went back a year later? Where does that? Because Anakin, from? everyone's gone. Well. Well, like Vader, Vader got pulled down. He, Vader fell through. Up? A, Vader fell through a there? crack in the floor. Yeah, so I, I was up? confused by that. Yeah, Vader mm. falls through a crack in the floor. But 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 okay. So let let's say if we were watching that and 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 Ezra hadn't interfered, what was the original fate of Ahsoka? So she well, and Vader both fall through. That's what I'm saying. Is that I think that she's going back into entering the temple. Because that puts her back at square one, so she's no, like the consequences. The, I think the point is, uh, I mean, it's, but, it's open to interpretation. But here's the deal: like, he didn't pull her out before the temple exploded. The temple already exploded. No, no, obviously, but but then it's yeah, not exploded she when she goes back through. Right? And the temple's fine. So that confused me. Uh, they probably just didn't want to build another set. But the <laughs> ramifications of this on Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker, you assumed, knowing what previously had happened, is that he had some form of resolution tying up past antagonists in his life. Antagonists that messed with his head in terms of Anakin versus his new identity of Darth Vader and eradicating them, being okay to eradicate those elements of his past. He's he's um, still grappling with the Shmi stuff. He's still grappling with Padme. And the third strike in his life was Ahsoka. And... Now that she's in his mind, she disappeared. He didn't finish her, and he's still alive. Yeah, that sits in the back of his head. How does this affect the mythology of Anakin mm. Skywalker? That now Anakin has kind of 
altered her inevitable death. But now this is the timeline, and Vader never had wow resolution. But he he thinks she went in the explosion, didn't she? That's what it says in the on the website. It's like he think he thinks she went up with a bang, you know. So that doesn't make sense. He didn't see the material out there. He knows she's out there before she felt that he knew he she was out there. He right. had to have seen Ezra pull her out of the situation. Yeah, well, like, what well, the I hell? They're trying to say uh, not. This, but this, in this. my mind, the way I looked at it, the way it was staged, is she's disappeared, poosh, gone. Mm. And there's not a finality. Like, he stripped Vader of the finality of finishing off this <laughs> element, maybe. conquering this part of his past that was lingering. Kyle, said, and, Kyle maybe, that, maybe that's why he freaks out and goes and steps on Obi-Wan's robe, like... Oh Jesus! This happened again. Really gone? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. does how does this affect his psyche going into both Obi Wan conflict gone. and ultimately with Luke? Don't, don't uh, you think? Don't you think all the explosions and fire and everything were there to sort of tell us, look, it's, it's a confusing situation. He doesn't know what's going on. She spontaneously combusted. This isn't the well, 1700s. The floor, the floor collapses. The ceiling collapses. Everything's kind of going chaotic, and it looks like she's it about to die. Right in front of his eyes, though. Yeah, but he's wearing a helmet. You know, his visibility's like. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to rewatch that scene because doesn't you, he sense her? He would have to. He would have. Well, to ma- have. yeah, but maybe he thinks her life has been extinguished because she's vanished and he can't sense her anymore because she's gone through this portal. Mm. I mean, I mean, the only other thing I was kind of thinking about with that is, does Ahsoka remember what happened to her? Because given what the experience that they had on Mortis and everything, mm. is that indicative of like the fact that your memory could fade and? So in the future, does Ahsoka remember all this, or is she just, you know, oblivious to it? What do you think? It's it's a great question. I I think that, I don't think she's oblivious to it. I think that she's aware that she, you know, because when she comes back and when 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 Ezra pulls her in, you know, he says, "Oh, you got a lot of catching up to do." You know, we've got a lot. So I think she's aware mm-hmm. that she's been through some sort of space time, you know portal i yeah. guess if wibbly wobbly yeah that there's something that there's something there i mean obviously you look at the i mean this is the ultimate power in the universe i mean you can see why palpatine would so badly want to be able to harness this i mean because <laughs> he was in control you know, of this thing i mean he could if literally do anything if, if carl's right about this and it has kind of you know potentially mess with anakin's timeline are we now in the kelvin version of Star Wars. <laughs> oh no! Oh, are we, oh, we going to no. get around to it? And it's they're going to recast Star Wars, and it'll all turn out differently. <laughs> Although I do hear people talking about the Filoni verse. You know that, that that it's almost its own <laughs> that it's almost its own thing. Um, I I wanted to mention too. Um, Who? what? Who would disparage this and call it the Filoni? Well, no one's disparaging it at all. No, I I, I think it's actually a, a, an, an endearing term. I think they said you know that. The Feloniverse, really talking about the universe created by the Clone Wars and the and uh, and Rebels, right. um, not in a not in a bad way at all. I think there's a lot of people that would exchange the Feloniverse for, you know, what, what's Did, currently going on. Were, were those Red Guards? Like, oh yeah, kind of they looked like Praetorian or... Guards to me, but they, they were actually Imperial Guards. Yeah, they look different. I was like, I don't think we've seen these, have we? They're credited uh, on the official site as Imperial Guards, but. They don't look like royal guards to to me. They, they felt more Praetorian. Though. Exactly, I thought they yeah, were like Praetorian. Mm-hmm. But maybe they were they were the Imperials without their robes. 
Well, the, yes, and, that's what I was. Thinking. They were oh, using. They weren't using their force pikes. Different the helmets. Helmet. They were. Re, they helmet. were using their force pikes. That's what they. they it says they at least were? in the yeah, the Wikipedia entry um, says that they were using pikes? force pikes. Yeah, because what were they doing to Ezra? They were like ripping him apart. Mm. Like his, I, I was just confused about when they were because I was thinking, are they like the red guards that turned up in the comic book? Because you know what, you know, what a fan of the were they? Ba- were they basically? Were they? Yeah, you know, like in Skull Empire, it was because they had well, they I have like, small helmets, similar helmets. But if were they, they had were, those type of weapons, why weren't they using those on Kylo and Rey? <laughs> well, because they weren't Praetorian guards; they were mm. royal guards. Oh, they were the Knights of Ren. Oh, no, they weren't. No, they um, weren't. But God, <laughs> it sure would have been Sorry. an easy connection to make. <laughs> um, obvious. Um. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the the family reunion. I that is something that is one aspect of these episodes that I really I really liked. I really thought that you know bringing back Wolf and Rex and Hondo and and Melch and Mart, everybody was back except no Lando. Mm, poor Lando, he's getting it on everything. Isn't Why he? no Lando? <laughs> Did we you notice save the, him for the for the movie? Yes. Did you notice the, the change of the Walker? Like, because before it was the Clone Wars era Walker, and now it's a Atta. Now yeah. it. Yeah. That's well, but that's true. It, Wait, is that a the, little the one that the one that no, Rex? You remember, remember on, when yeah? we first met up with Rex? They had that. They're fishing. They had an ATTE. Yeah. Now yes. they've advanced up to How an ATTE. How did they do that? It was it, it was it a was it a was it a it wasn't an OT <laughs> ad, ad it was actually the the, the the even bigger one the one from I Rogue thought that one was like era. scrap from like a or an earlier battle that they just kept or is that because that was the one that pursued them in that episode I think it's yeah hey that's a good thought it could be Remember the oh did they have one pursuing them of, but of, they weren't um, AT ATs they were the they were the big Rogue One versions weren't they. I don't think so. Mm, oh no, they weren't the Rogue One version because that didn't exist yet. Well, it'd be it's, closer uh, than the classic, wouldn't it? It's you know, not. They it's update not... these every year, like the the Adats, like their Chevys, putting out new models. <laughs> well, yeah, right, yeah. You don't want the you don't want the yeah. 2014. It's got a bad transmission. Mm. Um, We're still using like jets from Vietnam and <laughs> like updating their, <laughs> their crap every year. Well, what did you guys did you guys like the family reunion aspect of it? Bringing back you know Visago and. And Hondo yeah. and Melch and Mart and even scope. It gave it circularity. These yeah. are all the people, and they had to come back and like for Ezra, we'll do anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, was a, I was a little bit like, I, I don't know if each one's last prior appearance necessarily left them in a place where they'd earned that. But I'd have to go back and check it. But it, I, I it went with it. I think more people answered their phone call than answered layers in the last shadow. I didn't think that is nice. for darn sure. <laughs> she had a lot. <laughs> they had a lot of support. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. Forget Leia; she hasn't done anything for us. But that Ezra kid, yeah. <laughs> we better show up. <laughs> we better show up for that. Uh, but I loved. I you know any chance to hear uh, my my son loves the Curious George cartoon and uh, uh, the fellow. What what's his name? Is I'm blanking on Hondo the vo- gentleman. Um, uh, Jim, oh, Jim Cummings. Jim Cummings. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he and does. A, yeah, I don't know, yeah, Kyle, if your yeah. kids are into uh, Curious George at all, but. Uh, there's a character that Cummings plays on Curious George. He's uh, he's like the Italian chef, and it's the exact same voice. As, as oh, okay. So it's it's funny. It was great. It was great to see all the clones back together again. And it was there were a couple of moments where I just went, "Oh, that's a really sweet line." The 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 whole bit about the oh, it looks like you got your wolf pack back. Yeah, 
you know, I, like I thought that, that was yeah. really sweet. I really like that. Did you hear that? The, apparently, um, the animators for a laugh they put a, an audio track on where they got rid of all the stormtroopers' squ- screams and they replaced it with the sound of squeaky dog toys. <laughs> just for yeah, laughs. They like, d- oh, getting bitten. <laughs> they should I, release that because that's good. Do it. It's going to be on the bonus. I, I wanted a little more carnage there. I wanted to see one. I kept waiting for one to be ripped in half. <laughs> it looked like they set it up for that, and then they like, oh no, they dropped. You want like full on stringy pizza neck? Is that what you're looking for? Oh! We've had, decapit- <laughs> we've had decapitations, amputations, suicide bombing. Guys, do you remember? Snapple. Do you? Do Why you re- can't we get a stormtrooper ripped in half? <laughs> do you guys remember? I'll never forget watching the Clone Wars movie for the first time, and they bring in the heads of all those, yeah. uh, all of Jabba's guys. Uh-huh. That was, oh yeah, that was yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah. That was wild. Well, it's, it's yeah. I mean, Carl just wants the action figure, don't you? That's all it is. If it's three and three quarter vintage, yeah, to, on two other. vintage cold bags. I liked. It was nice to see you know Rex back, and it's yeah. good to see him in the Endor costume and find out that he he and Hera actually were fighting in the Battle of Endor. I mean, that's kind of weird. I like did it. Gregor, did Gregor finally die? I think he did. Uh, Gregor did. did I think. Did, I yeah. think he did he kick off. off. Yeah. Yeah, but don't worry, yeah, Melch yeah. and Hondo, their romance continues on. Uh, yeah, Hanson Callus, Zeb and Callus. Yeah, Zeb and Callus. Yeah, they they went on and and and, and lived happily ever after. Romance, yeah. romance. We don't. I know didn't know they were a thing. Was that hinted earlier? I, I don't know show. if they are. I think they're, uh, maybe oh, they, they are. are. Maybe they are. I think they're just super. They're brothers come on, guys. They're arms. just roommates. They're just roommates. Come on. Yeah. They're like oh, everybody others and Arnold in uh, Predator. Guys, don't you <laughs> see it? It's right in front of us. Don't you see it? The next animated series is going to be the Star Wars Odd Couple with Felix and Oscar, a.k.a. Callus. I think it's going to be my two dads. It's going to be my two, <laughs> my two dads. <laughs> could be, that could be the show I've been looking for. <laughs> this is the show you've been, been looking, looking for. Something more. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the um, w- all right. Where does this leave us? I think that the thing that um, really struck me over the last several episodes of actually this whole arc from the time it came back after the mid season um, was all about sacrifice and destiny, and 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 I and I feel as though the world between worlds was sort of the the other the the other option the other choice and and it was it was Ezra that that was tempted to go in one direction but he knew what the direction was that he had to go um and so it was sort of like do you do you go along with what you know is your destiny what the force or what the universe is trying to to tell you or do you sort of take this this shortcut this cheat um, through the through the portal, and uh, you know, I mean, all great myths I think have sort of delved into this this same area. Um, the epilogue was, I thought, very interesting. Uh, I was not expecting the epilogue to take place after the events of Return of the Jedi. That blew me away. No. Yeah, me too. And somebody mentioned just a minute ago about confirming that both Hera and Rex served in the Battle of Endor. Uh, and Rex is still wearing that that Return of the Jedi garb, despite the whole fallout. You know when they attributed, or, or when it was somewhat confirmed that the character in the Battle of Endor at the at the bunker with the white beard was Rex. I blonde mean, blonde beard. What's that? 
had a blonde beard, and he was 28, and he was Scandinavian. <laughs> oh, yes. It I was know. a blonde beard, though. It was. Yeah. It's, and it's co- cultural appropriation if we claim him as, as Rex. Good God. Um, I'm still Did you want, say, you wanted him to be Rex? I want him to be Rex. What's wrong with that? Does that make me a bad person? Just because the yeah. guy was Scandinavian? Yeah, Scandiest. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> Of course, I want him to be Rex. Rex. Does it diminish? Does it diminish Rex? It makes it an awful coincidence that they have the same tailor. I mean, they they dress exactly alike. He doesn't look like he doesn't look like a Kiwi. That's strange, I suppose. Yeah, he he doesn't look. Wait a minute. Hold on. Kyle Newman, you don't want him to be Rex. I don't. Doesn't look. It's fine if it is. It's fine if it's not. Dave's Dave's God. Whatever Dave decides, I'll go with. (laughs) Kyle hates I, I it. trust I trust Dave decisions. He's <laughs> he's earned the right to make big decisions. I mean, I you're just being nice. You really hate it. You're not happy about it at all. I'm more mad that it that they walked it back. You know, it was Rex for a while, and then they walked it back, and now they show him up in the finale where he's looking. I mean, like identical to the dude in on Endor. It's just weird. I think um, it's fun, but it is odd. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like. Well, mm. You know, I think there's a lot that goes on with Star Wars nowadays, though, isn't it? There's a lot of like, wait, what? And then you just kind of go. Uh, but what do we, guys? What do we think is the out way the common sense of it? You know, it's like, yeah. What do we think is the time frame between uh, the events of these episodes and that epilogue? So, what's the time frame between episodes four and six, roughly? Isn't it like ten years or something? I don't think it's quite between four, between four and six. Between four and six. six. Four years. Oh, no. It's, um, they're one four of them is ten months, and one of them is like two years, eight months or something, right? Between four and six. No, it's three years between Star Wars and Empire and a year between Empire and Jedi. But not a full three years. It's like two years, eight months, or two years, ten months. Look at the kid, right? So how old, how old is the kid? That's Kid's nine. No, he's like, like supposed to be three. Is he? Yeah. Well, that's how long it's been then, right? He, well, listen, he's not in a car seat, so I'm he's really disappointed with him. Oh, good call about Very the kid. Yeah. But who yeah. knows what the gestation period of a half human, half. Uh, where, where is where is Leiko? Are they grown out somewhere other than his head or something? Are they. No, I, like, I think that's uh, where would where would that other place be, Paul? I, I don't think know. The human, <laughs> the human genes were dominant in determining ears. Yeah. By the way, his name was because, Jason with a C, so that was a little <laughs> tribute to. Uh, and Hera's never taken me. off her headphones the whole episode, the whole series. Yeah, man, she's got some killer sounds. One one <laughs> one gripe is I just wish they changed their outfits once or twice since we're oh, living did, with these characters they're, they're, on a ship. Didn't they though with uh, Ezra? Didn't he get his outfit? No, I changed? mean like week to week they could wear oh. some different clothes. I think we figured out why Ahsoka wears like all the grey and looks all funky at the end. I think it's just because she's so sick of orange. <laughs> no, by the end of it, she's like enough orange and purple. Well, and yeah. she's like tube tops at my age. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> and also I think they've done a great job at re- re- elevating and resolving um, and teasing a future for Sabine. It was one of my least favorite characters. They overcompensated for a couple of seasons. Like even having Thrawn talk about her art in this was a little like so she's uh, ex Imperial, ex Mando, Jedi like abilities, and she's an amazing artist that catches the eye of the greatest art collector in the galaxy. I was like, how many things can you do? By the oh, I got to say, she is a renaissance woman, let me tell you. And and, and can I just say that... they saved that character. Uh, 
Yeah, I and mean, the actress, not not against the actress, she's been no, Tia's 100%. been great. Awesome. Tia's been great, but I in every episode. Thank God, kind of thank the Force, that. thank the Mortis gods for Sabine, because if she wasn't in these episodes, nobody would have had a a, a clue how to do anything, because yeah. she had. <laughs> She had she all the answers. A great, great character. What I want to know is how <laughs> does what I would like to know is how does a graffiti artist suddenly act like she has a PhD in art history from the University of Illinois in Chicago? I mean, how does that happen? Yeah, it does happen. I think, I think like, like I liked all the fight scenes where she was flying through the ships and stuff. Like that. that was kind of cool. That was a great scene. Funky. You know, did, something occurs to me about this though. You know, as a, as a as an ancient nerd, <laughs> I kind of I kind of think like. Wasn't our perception? I mean, we're all used to having a perception dashed here, but like, wasn't our perception of the whole Mandalorian situation that that like, well, for one thing, that that Boba was a Mando, which now he's not. Uh, but also, wasn't the idea that there just weren't any Mandos at all? And it would seem like at this point, there's loads of them out there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Man, I mean, like Sabine's entire family are still out there. There's a whole posse of that lot, you know. So it's yeah. it's like there's hundreds of them. Yeah. Yeah, there's right. there's plenty so that's of a bit of a shift in perception, and I know I know that probably Luxon will kind of go, well, you were wrong, but like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know that's that has been a perception, right? It's not the just perception me, was that Boba Fett was the the, the lone survivor of this ancient yeah. warrior mm-hmm. race, essentially. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, Turns you're wrong. The like Toyotas, like cars. Well, surprise, you know, you've got. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have a problem with it. I'm just surprised, you know, because I'm thinking about the, the old Star Wars movies and thinking it's a wonder we didn't trip over a few, really, you know, like other than Boba. But mm, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we didn't trip over it. You're right. You're right. I mean, there's, you know, but he was there well, to they represent. avoided Boba completely in these. Um, and yeah, I guess once they delve that deep into Mando stuff, it really flattened and reduced the aura of. Boba Fett. Um, a, a little bit. It got a little overdone, but you know there are people out there. I mean, the, the Mandos were such a a a fanboy favorite that they, they just like. Yeah, but okay, but make an animated Boba in this series. Give him all the same Why powers. Didn't as they, everyone that we've seen? But give him all the same powers we've seen. He's not that special. He's just every well, single Mando we saw was like this amazing character who could do amazingness at the drop of a dime. And could fly and could do so. They just made every character as cool as what you imagine Boba Fett. Yeah, and a lot. I, I don't know where he, how how do you make him even cooler? Like he just would have to bend the physics in the space time continuum. I was real. It's, I was really confused because you know there was so much um, momentum for the Boba Fett character towards the end of the Clone Wars and with with Aura Singh. I I, I really thought that we were going to get a payoff in Rebels, but we never saw it. That was one thread that I felt was uh, kind of missed. Um, yeah. I also yeah. I also felt mm. that um, I would have liked to have seen. You know, we got so close with Saw Gerrera uh, in uh, in season three of Rebels. I would have liked oh, yeah. to, uh, th- that kind of got dropped a little bit. I would have liked to have seen more with the uh, connection between Lothal and the uh, you, and the Kyber that crystals. Another, that was another behind the scene thing. Sorry, Jason. That, oh yeah, please. Just while it while it's relevant. Did you see another one of the behind the scenes things they mentioned was at some point when they were there was going to be a cutaway where you saw what the Imperials plans were for Lothal, or at least they were going to be speculating about. Please, what was it going to be? Because here, <laughs> here, wait, here are the contenders. We know that it was the site of Thrawn's, you know, Project X. 
the Thai, what was it? The Thai Defender? The Thai what? Yeah, yeah the Thai, Thai Defender. Defender. We also know that it just happened to be the place where this incredible uh, portal existed in that Jedi Temple. We also know right. that they were mining, I thought that they were mining uh, uh, kyber crystals from there to, to, yeah. to fuel the Death Star. So what really was the, the Imperial interest well, there on Lothal? <laughs> they didn't clarify that, but the thing that I thought was interesting was, that just relates back to what you were saying when you were talking about them not uh, you know, reconnecting with Saul Guerrero and stuff, was that they were talking about having a cutaway scene where you got to see um, various different Imperials. I, I assume they're men like Vader and... Uh, Tolkien and the like, but uh, Krennic was considered, and uh, I think they were going to do a Krennic, put Krennic in there, and I believe he was modelled. But uh, they oh, really, they it. got that far. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's interesting that they were going to try. And I, I half expected to see some more characters from Rogue One at the end of this, but then at the same time, practical side of me just went, "Yeah, they're not going to get all that trouble modelling all these extra characters." But yeah, but uh, and it would have been kind of distracting, I think, and taking the attention away from the characters that you know people love. It's been really interesting to see how many fans have really kind of come out of the woodwork for Rebels toward the end. I feel like the net is just full with people that are really, really buoyed up and happy about this show. And that's it's it's great. Tremendous, that amount, of really tremendous love it. amount of work and it, really good storytelling. My only fault, you know, I, I mentioned it before that, that, you know, at the end of the day, there, there, there were a few episodes where a lot of stuff happened. For, for the most part, it was, it, was, it was fairly mundane day to day, but I also see that as being, you know, as Jimmy mentioned early on, that that was a really important glimpse for us to see sort of everyday life, in a sense, uh, of, of, a, of an occupied planet under the thumb of the, of the Empire. That was important for us to see because it hadn't been seen before. Um, if you're keeping well, score... Well, I, I don't think yeah? it hadn't been seen. It just hadn't been explored so deeply because we mm-hmm. do see some of it on Tatooine in A New that's, Hope, that's for sure. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, we do, we do, but don't we assume there that it's because of the interest in finding the droids? Well, of course. Yeah. So we don't really see that that's everyday life. That's just when there's fugitives, rebel fugitive droids on the run. <laughs> well, it does show like how the imps will just pull over any speeder that comes by and mm. question who's in it. They'll burn down homesteads to find <laughs> well, what they want. Yeah. They'll destroy Jawa sand crawlers. <laughs> right. You know. Right, they're crazy. Um, by the way, okay, so classic characters shown up in um, in Star Wars Rebels or film characters shown up in Rebels. Uh, we had Yoda, we had Vader, we had Old Ben, we had Darth Maul, we had Leia Organa. Well, we we didn't really have Yoda. We had some dude that was dressed up like Yoda. Boy, oh boy! When I was watching Recon and they were flashing back to that, Man, I just that boy, like it just oh was that. That, that, that was, was like some little weird dude who ate Yoda. What? You know, what you that Yoda about? model? That Yoda model from Rebels was unbelievable. <laughs> it, it it was, yeah, it was terrible. The ears are too small. The eyes are too small. It's uh, it, it missed the mark. Oh God! I mean, it looked like it was drawn by a blind chimp. Um, but then, <laughs> but then like Lando was amazing. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Saw Guerrero, cool. Wedge, Hobby, Palpatine, Lando, Mon Mothma, Bail Organa, um, uh, Darth Lando Maul. Lando feel more like Robot Chicken Lando or Empire Strikes Back Lando? I think he was okay. I did. I, He's I okay. I think, I think Billy D's kind of forgotten that there's like – he 
He sometimes plays Lando and stuff like it's <laughs> the comedy yeah. versions he does. Yeah, like it's a, it's yeah. A special. He, I can see And Lando that. is not that comedic. I don't know if people remember. Go watch the movie. Classic <laughs> Lando is not, but there's, a, but there's a caricature that has grown up around Lando because of the aura of Billy D and the Colt 45 and Super Smooth yeah, and all that. Did that infiltrate this performance? I think it did, but I think for a reason. I think I think because stylistically, although visually it looks a lot like Clone Wars, it still feels like it's pitched at a younger audience. I mean, just the way Zeb is kind of the the big dude that thumps people, you know, yeah. it kind of feels like simple, simplified down in a way. So I expect them to have kind of performances that really would would not feel out of place in a regular kind of kids' cartoon, you know. Yeah, sure. That's, that's how it feels sure. to me, but but it's it's different. I think you're right. Yeah, it just it, it just feels different, different to me. And yeah, as far yeah. as as far as uh, Clone Wars, we also saw you know obviously Rex and Gregor and and uh, and Wolf. We also saw Ahsoka clearly. Uh, we saw Anakin Skywalker. There was a brief um, appearance you got by wedged, Anakin Skywalker. Right? I got Wedge down. I got Hobby down. Got um, oh, I think we also saw Dadana. Right? right? We saw Dadana. Yeah. Yep. And did we see Tarkin. Porkins? I forgot about Porkins. No, I'm making. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it was. Uh, oh, Tarkin. How did I miss Tarkin? Qui Gon. Qui Gon. Qui Gon. Qui Gon or Qui Gon? Oh, we had. Uh, I go with yeah, Paul's um, Qui Gon. I like. Or's a Qui Gon? <laughs> we had Anakin. We had. Yeah, you said. You said. Uh, I said Anakin. Anakin's mom as well, right? You said. Oh, oh gosh. No, wait a minute. No, that was Clone Wars. No, that was Clone Wars. We did not R2 see three PO. No, she was in Rebels too, wasn't she? Because she was on that. She was on the. Uh... Yeah. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, the yeah. other one. But you did. There is Maz Kanata. And well, you can also the voice. The voice. <laughs> you can include R two and three PO. R two and three PO. Jim, good R2 call. I, I totally. For sure. That was like the third yeah. episode or the second episode they were in. Yeah. 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 Um, Following the premiere. Yeah. Did you Did you guys notice? Like for me, it felt like. You know, now we finally, now we finally know. Yeah, talking. Now we finally know that uh, that Chopper is Dave officially. No, yeah, that was that was delivered. Yeah, that was great. Do you guys feel like they really, they really up the the like factor this week? It felt like super, super jolly brown. There was a lot of there was a lot of Chopper and Dave, but I got to tell you, I you know what I think there's I I I feel like. Um, they really delivered with Chopper. I, I thought that they they made him a s- extraordinarily memorable and funny uh, droid. You know, R two set the bar very high. Uh, they rolled out um, BB eight and rolled out Chopper, and I, I, I think Chopper was definitely an extraordinarily I memorable I and never, fun character. I never forgot the, the initial description they made where they said like R two's like a family dog and. Chopper's uh, Chopper's like the cat that doesn't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those I, of us with I, cats, we know. Yeah, those, right. <laughs> those moments where, like, I mean, just like in the, in the you know last few episodes when they went full on for for the battle scene, and wow, I mean, talk about feature quality, like the complexity of all the characters and everything that's going on. Oh was yeah, amazing. Yeah, although then, that one plan then, was pretty weak. Yeah, but then the rider then, plan. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. But then, like sneak, sneaking in that moment where you still managed to get a, like a funny chopper moment where he falls off and then he grabs the trooper's leg and yanks him over. I did enjoy that. Like, I, that was, uh, I did so enjoy funny. that. Yeah, the Ryder thing was interesting. You know, when when Ryder, um, I bought I, it. I, was, I, was I like, bought it too, oh, Kyle. You, you I was jerk, with you. Ryder. Yeah, I totally. I, I did too. But then, when I when I realized that was part of the plan, I was like, "This is a terrible plan." And he had a, t- a moment to kill Rook. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, I, I, and he didn't take it, and there, and then they had to go into the. They didn't plan to go into the caves, and then so the so it, let's it, let's it, get it straight. So the plan was lure Price there, and then Price get Price have the ghost show up and take out forty troop transports. <laughs> well, yeah, but but the plan was that Price would capture then take Price. them. Capture Price so that Price Price, can capture them. Capture her, but it it worked. But it 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 was a weird plan. Like I understand Ezra's later plan, the weirdness of it, the backup of it, the kookiness of it that he planned for that stuff. This didn't feel planned for. It felt like a kind of a by the way bad plan. But it's it's very obvious from Rebels Recon that the Pergil showing up to save the day was just total revenge. On all of us that called the Pergill episode filler, um, they're like, "Yeah, you thought this was filler. Guess what? It was." <laughs> no. Which episode? You know the when the when the when the Pergill, oh, you know, space whales, the space whales, yeah. Oh, the space whales, yeah. We we called the space whales episode filler, and yeah, apparently wow. that was a, a, a you know this was like, oh yeah, we'll show you filler. They're gonna save the day in the series finale. Um, I like the design of them, though. I mean, at least they're going to show up with something again because it, they were going up. I, I, I was surprised by the whales. So. I, I was expecting uh, the Zillow Beast to show up at one point. Like, they're going to yes. just throw in all the the filler characters. I'm going to go on the limb and say all future Star Wars TV movie directors should be strapped into a Ludovico Transformer machine and forced to watch. Not forced, but made to watch Clone Wars and rebels yeah um so they can see that so many things have been tried and done so they all don't think that they're inventing reinventing the wheel you know it's a, it's and a, it's a liberate great, them it's a great segue kyle because let's 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 talk about the future of uh star wars animation there's there's some rumors about a new series called star wars resistance that will take What's place that? after yeah that will take place after uh, episode six and in a lead up to the events of the last Jedi. Um, but, but, but do you guys think, do you guys think that the next animated series will be to rebels? What rebels was to clone wars. Do you think will lead up to, uh, a return of Ezra, a return of Sabine, a, a return of Ahsoka? Do you think that rebels will be, uh, relevant to continue to be relevant to the future of star wars animation series jim what, do you, what are your thoughts about how this will potentially lead in or not lead into a new series did we lose jimmy we lost jimmy mm-hmm. How's that he's possible? out i i can answer i mean i i, Paul, I, I think i think we're going to get a similar situation to what we had with this in that we're they're gonna, it's going to be as relevant as clone wars is to rebels you do. So you're Stop saying me. you're saying if that this is a yeah. series leading up to Force Awakens, you think then Thrawn and and Ezra, Zeb, Callus, Ahsoka. No, 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 no. Like maybe maybe a couple of characters will show up. Maybe you know. I think I, I, I hope think, the I mean, Force characters or something. Definitely Ahsoka. I, I, just, I just hope it's something really, really different. I'm ready for something really different, and I'd like it to look radically different too. I'd like it to look like something brand new. Do you think they would please. go? Uh, do you think they would go two D? On the new series, on a new series, no, I don't. I don't think they would. No? But I'd, I'd, I'd love them to go nearer to Jedi than to the Force Awakens. But I've got a feeling they won't do that. I have a feeling the theme park, everything coming. I think they're going. They're going to forge ahead into the the future. 
And yeah, I, I, of course, if Dave's in charge, I, I bet you're going to see um, one or two nods at least to it. It, it just felt. Um, it just felt to me like the way they left the whole Ahsoka with Sabine with Ezra. It was it was almost like Dave was telling Maybe us they could do another a book a comic book. Remember they did the. Do you um, think Kyler? Do you think that Dave is going to want to wrap this up with a with a with a series with a series? I don't know if he needs to do a whole series about it. No, 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 no. But I mean, I mean, he'll he'll use the opportunity of a new series to 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 wrap up the Ezra, Ahsoka, Sabine thing that he started. I I hope he would. I hope he would give it that uh, platform and that spectacle. But part of the Clone Wars unceremoniously ending might have been why they granted him the opportunity to resolve some of these things. Whereas this one has its ending, yeah, and it could go on without doing it. It wasn't unfinished for fans, um, mm. so it has enough of a finished feeling. That one dangling thing could be. Um, it lets you know that Ezra's alive, and lets you know there is. I'm sure that story will be told. Well, Dave is. The odds of that story being left on the uh, left out there unfinished are zero. Dave oh is emphatic. He is. He is not being enigmatic or. Uh, or teasing at all, he says in Rebels Recon, absolutely 100% Ezra is still alive. So is, um, uh, hold on a second. I think we got, do we get Jim? Yeah, I mean, we got Jim back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Dave is saying that Ezra is alive. So is Thrawn. They're both alive. He's not, he's not playing the, you know, the Ahsoka card. Is she, isn't she? Uh, They've got to be a long way away, right? During the period of the old, the original trilogy. So they're somewhere on the opposite side of the universe. You would think. Well, you know? where are the but but wouldn't they? Would we assume that they're, where, you know, uh, Mart knew where to find the Pergils, so the Pergils are in a known place. So wouldn't we assume oh, that they returned yeah. back to where they were, or or do we assume that they're? How did they know? Because I thought the Pergils, the idea was that they cool. they migrate, right? Don't they migrate throughout the galaxy? Mm. Yeah. So Mart I mean, knew I, where I, they I, were. I still- I still think that, you know, the only character that I really kind of care about coming back at this point, because we've had a kind of happy ending for most of the characters, is Ahsoka. She's the one that holds the most fascination to me. She's the one it I care about the most. Unfinished. I would like to see where that goes, and I'd like to know what it all means, or, you know, the costume and all that, and I'd like her to play an important part. And I, or wouldn't it be crazy if she turns up, turns up in the movies? I was just going to say, I, 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 raised, I, there's no doubt to me... There's no doubt to me that Ahsoka is to Star Wars what Harley Quinn is to the DC universe. I think she that, could be she could be an old lady in episode nine. She could. You know? I, we don't know I how don't they necessarily so. age, but I, I just think yeah. a, a on-screen live-action depiction of Ahsoka Stricky. feels yeah. weird as opposed to going the other direction. See, I can vision it. I can, I can picture it. I really can. I, but, you know, I, mean, I don't struggle with it at all. What if she's CG? I mean, we had talking, and you could still have Ashley kind of play the part, even though it's not doesn't physically look like her. You, you know, well, you could still. always also have Ashley uh, do the do the voice. You know, yeah, she even if it was a real, too. yeah, she could she mocap could it. Yeah, that's a great. I, I never thought it, about yeah. that, Paul. That's that's an idea. I would find it totally unlikely that Ahsoka would show up in Episode Nine. I mean, Episode yeah. Nine. Yeah. Is, no, 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 I don't think Nine. Episode, but I, episode Nine is. I don't there think JJ and Ryan are watching. 
these animated shows. No, no. And I think, I think there are certain things that belong in animation and should stay there. And I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying Ahsoka is one of those things, but I think that her value to the animated part of the franchise is huge right now. And I think yeah. it's best to just leave her where she's successful right now. And then, you know, down the road, yeah, maybe an Ahsoka movie, like, you know, well, like how they do with Marvel. That comes into the next animated series sporadically. Mm. I think, you, yeah, just, I, I, that, that's exactly what I was thinking, Jim. I, I wasn't suggesting that she, you know, pop up in the next star Wars movie. Um, but I no, think but that always, it's, I think always. it's, an, I think it's inevitable yeah. that, that she'll, She'll be in a film at some point. But, but, you know, at the same time, you think like, well, you know, if, if you know, the tendency to repeat what's, what's been gone, gone before, if you look at, you know, Luke's dead now, are they going to replace him with another character that can, can help Ray take know. a journey? Jake, so, Jake Skywalker. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know that Luke Jake, is, yeah. is, is not going to be. I, look, clearly Luke has. Yeah, it's going to be moved when, when he comes back as a rabbit. It's going to be really strange. He's going to be a force ghost. He's going to be a force ghost. He's not going to be a rabbit. He's going to be a force ghost. Be rabbit Luke. It's going to be brilliant. He's going to be um, Jackson. Jackson. I, by yeah, the way, Jackson. I'm thinking Jackson of playing a little Wookie Hookie when that movie comes out. I've, I've got it pre-ordered on iTunes, and so it's going to hit on the 13th, I believe. And I might play some Wookie Hookie. I can't. You know, you know, I can't I'm wait excited to, to, to see it again. You well, the book is yeah. about to become canon, right? You know about that, Jackson Rabbit. They're yep. going to fold him into the canon in the comic books, aren't they? So he's yep. going to be legit. Is he really? Yeah, you know, this is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but they're going to pull him into that IDW Star Wars Adventures comic book, which is a little right. kitty book. It's, it's, it's <laughs> impact on canon is, is about is? the same as, uh, right. as uh, the uh, the uh, Forces of Destiny spinoff. You know, I, it, it does give him a, a greater chance of being incarnated. Emblazed in yeah. plastic. By the way, it, okay, emblazed in plastic. But I'm not going to. Get, to they need like Harvey Cartel with a lot to play him. That'd be great. Anyone, anyone who is. <laughs> that would be great. That <laughs> would be great. Harvey Cartel. Michael Madsen is Jackson. I'm down with that idea. <laughs> uh, you know what, guys? Let's talk a little bit at, we, we, uh, about Thrawn, where this leaves us with Thrawn. I know that there are a number of people out there holding out hope that or we're holding out hope that whatever the fate of Thrawn was, that it would not negate or in any way undermine the possibility that the events of uh, the heir to the Empire and that whole uh, saga would be completely undermined. We kept Thrawn alive. We talked about Ahsoka showing up in a live-action film. What about... Rook is gone, though. Rook, oh, yeah, Rook is dead so as Julius Caesar. breaks that timeline because that he was such a key oh part of that. yeah good point kyle that's true he was a he huge got, part of that uh, cooked up on the grill <laughs> but could, could that be like like the greedo thing you know we had more than one greedo didn't we then we have right we had greedo and guido guido something like that so well no remember before. in the clone wars they had greedo the elder yeah that's what i meant <laughs> oh, you know. and remember that the in the air trilogy mm. they had luke and luke luke <laughs> So maybe this two of him. Maybe this is his dad. Not so the, Rook. Rook. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you guys think about uh, the future of Thrawn? Do we think that Thrawn? Um, you th- you see Thrawn showing up in a in a live action film? Do you see Thrawn showing up in? And I want to get. I want to. I want to throw the question about resistance to Jimmy too, because he we lost him at that point. But what do you guys think mm. about Thrawn's future in uh, canonical Star Wars? I think I think we're not seeing a great track record of giving everybody what they want, and I think there's a lot of, you know, we're going to do something new, 
I mean, if 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 they're uncomfortable with the idea of putting Rodians in a movie, <laughs> like what what chance have we got of getting thrown in something? Seriously, it's Wait, like, Paul, no, you said a mouthful right there. You said a if mouthful hoping, right look, there. If they're going to do a series in the future, I'd rather see like Hux's father than and understand that and get into that because that makes yeah. no sense to me. I'm like, how is this guy still around? What is his purpose? He's useless. I don't. That one line doesn't do anything for me. Like, if you're going to go do a series and go with set in that era. Then show me that new empire. Show me the first order. Show me how it became the first order. Show me why it's rebuilt itself in a complete um, homage to the prior empire, even though it has nothing to do with it and it's run by some guy that they won't tell us who he is. Like, give me something <laughs> to make this make sense, to group mm. myself in this world. Jim, um, un- uh, unfortunately. No more Thrawn. No more Thrawn. Okay. Uh, Jim, we lost you, unfortunately, when we were talking about um, the future of Star Wars animation. In particular, I, I, I asked the fellas if that if, if is it possible, and Paul seemed to agree that this was a possibility. Is Rebels going to be to Star Wars Resistance, if that is indeed the next show and that's the name of it? Um, is, is Rebels going to be to Resistance what Clone Wars was to Rebels? Do you think these breadcrumbs that they're laying with Sabine and Ezra and and Ahsoka will materialize in the next animated series? I do. Yes, absolutely. I do. I think uh, and I've talked about this on the show before. I, I think that uh, much like how Rebels sets up the events of the original trilogy, Resistance will set up the events of the uh, sequel trilogy. And that's why they had to wrap up Rebels is because the Disney company wants to start planting its flag down in that sequel trilogy era in, in building off that I, resistance. I think, is that real though? No, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, a, a it's, it's what it's you're hearing, but didn't the war start with the attack on Hosnian prime at the end of force awakens? So what would they, yeah, they just be yeah. talking? <laughs> That's true. And, and I think the new order or the first order is, uh, still working in the shadows. Yeah. They just prior even... to the force awakens. So, uh, and the, oh, in the yeah. second episode, here's this pitch. In the second episode of Resistance, they start calling themselves rebels, and they just go away with the whole title. <laughs> Don't you think, like, the, the, the thing that makes a lot of sense to me is the idea that if, you know, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound all sarcastic about it, but, you know, I, it's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now, which is if, if Disney is so eager to let go of all these, you know, original characters because, you know, they want to shift their focus onto all these new characters that are important and they want to make sure that they have uh, a future, then it seems to me that a lot of these characters that are getting thrown by the wayside, namely Luke and the droids, are just you know important, iconic characters that are getting thrown away in a way that is understandable, but also at the same time wasteful. And it, to me, it just sort of seems that whatever they come up with, uh, to me, you know, I think they'd have a hard time developing something that's as iconic as those characters at this point, immediately anyway. You know, in the same way that we get remakes and sequels and things like that, you know, I kind of feel like those characters are really, really well suited to an animated show. And obviously they don't have the same issues with, you know, when it comes to the actors aging and stuff like that, you know, so you could easily do a show about Luke and have Hamill do the voice and make him a younger character. Or you could have, you know, Anthony Daniels and... and uh, you know, or two in a, in a show and, and do like a, a contemporary version of something like droids. And I think that would be fantastic. And I think there's obviously a huge, huge demand for all things 
um, you know, retro. And I mean, like the prequel fans love the droids too and everything. So you just kind of think if those guys are just kind of getting pushed into the background in the sequel trilogy, why not exploit them in, in an animated show? To me, it seems like a no brainer. I would, I would totally go there. I, I agree. Uh, I think that I remember reading a concept. Um, it was rumored online. I don't know if it was ever a real concept, but there was this idea that there would be this period of time in Luke's life where he was kind of on the run and hiding. And he was almost like a vigilante, like almost like a Batman yeah. character that would we mentioned show up. That the week, yeah. I, I just thought that was such a fun idea. Mm-hmm. Do we remember what the title of that uh, rumored series was? Jeez, did it, it have it a had title? A title. Did it, it really? did have a title, yeah. yeah. Me I, and Paul were the, talking about this last week, and I, I can't I that, recall what I that, that title that, was. I've got it somewhere, Jimmy. I'll find it. I'll dig it out. But I thought it was a really, really fun and interesting idea that, that, that mm. Luke would play this role of almost a, a superhero in the Star Wars yeah. universe. But um, and I mean, we, we all, I mean, let's, let's, let's not put, dance around this. I mean, we all love Luke. You know, we yeah. and we love Mark as, mm-hmm. as a dude. I mean, we all have an enormous amount of respect for him, and he's such a pillar of the community. And I, I want him to continue being a part of Star Wars. I don't want him to just be the dude that was in the movies a bunch of years ago. Look, you know? I, I, I here's the, here here's the problem, Darth Bane. And, and, I, and I'm I, I'm <laughs> and I'm I'm and I'm a guy that I'll be honest with you. I'm a guy that really really liked the Last Jedi and continue to like it. Um, but. <laughs> yes, I do, Paul Bateman. Um, no, I, I, I absolutely oh, yes, do. Oh, yes. I, I absolutely do. Um, but, but I will say that you know the the, the bitter pill. You know, and I felt it after the Force Awakens. I felt it obviously after the Last Jedi. We just got them all back, and you're taking them away from us. You know, I yeah. We didn't get we we didn't. That's that's the thing that I'm most upset about too. It's just like we didn't get a th- the three of them together. It's we, such a wasted opportunity. We didn't. It was a terribly wasted opportunity. And I look. I know that to they make didn't a pseudo cerebral want... analysis of the idea of hero. What? It, to just so they can make some pseudo cerebral analysis of the idea of hero. Well, it, yeah. it's just, it, I just watched Logan again. And what a mm. classic character, and what a great emotional send off! And I just watched Rebels, yeah. oh. watched a lot of this stuff again, and what an emotional, powerful send off for these characters! Mm. And I just wish I felt that with Luke rather than I, it being I, I did. intellectualized uh, in some way. Yeah, and I, I, I did. I didn't feel it, and I felt it in this cartoon. Yeah, I felt it for all these characters, and I didn't feel it. Um, I didn't feel it as much with. Uh, uh, I felt it with Han. You know, but I didn't feel as much with Luke, um, and it's not down to Mark's performance one bit. Um, yeah. And that's that's the power of this show. You know, Dave Filoni is my spirit animal. Yeah, um, the guy <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, there, there, yeah there's no there's I, no I mean, question. I, I guess mean, that's, yeah. Go ahead, that's where I'm coming from. It's just this stuff that we value. You know, is sitting on a shelf, you know, gathering dust essentially, or it's like they've moved on from it, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But like I, I would say, there's still there's still stuff to mine there, and there's you know I don't think those characters should be wasted. There is, I think and is, I, I think the reason know. that I feel so confident in it is because I, I, I'm as sure of the value of those characters as I am as the sun rising in the yeah east and setting in the west. I mean, it is it is an undeniable truth about the Star Wars universe is that that you'll never get more equity in characters than you have in those original characters. You just, you never will. Ray will never be as important as Luke Skywalker, no matter what they do 
ever, oh, ever. And that's not to take anything away from Ray. I love Ray. Um, but no matter what they do, she will never have the impact of Luke Skywalker. Never. And that's not a bad thing. Well, in it fairness, none of these new characters then will. Or we don't know that yet. But you're right. You're probably right in that conjecture. Yeah. And uh, Kyle, I think uh, your time is up. You got to get moving. So uh, I do. Do you want to leave us with any final thoughts, or is there anything that we didn't touch upon that maybe you'd like to throw into no, the conversation before the, you split? I, I think the deep dive into the greater nature of the Force on this series has been awesome. I, I, I like I said, I love the family dynamic of it. I think the fact that they let these characters grow and evolve and learn from each other was something rarely seen in animation and it's commendable all the writing staff henry gilroy melching mcdavitz filoni overseeing it uh you know carrie beck all those people up there doing a great job joel aaron keith kellogg all the voice actors you know it's it's we've been talking about this for four seasons now and i've been honored to come on and talk about this you guys and talk about the clone wars for six seasons and it's just gotten better and better what they do. So I sure hope they don't disband and go in different directions. I, I hope they keep a lot of this team together to make a new series. Um, whatever look they give it, you know, after it gets going, I, I accept the look and I'm with it. And it's just all about story. Uh, it's going to be damn hard to ever replace Dave Filoni up there. Um, so I hope he's back. But uh, wow, congratulations to everybody yeah. involved in this show. Well, Kyle, well, thank for you for, for all of the, the years. I mean, it's been 10 years of you coming on these roundtables to talk about Star Wars animation with us, and uh, you always provide such a great perspective. And I'll say it again. I've said it many times. I don't know that there's anybody that quite understands Star Wars storytelling quite as well as you do. So we appreciate your well, perspective. I truly appreciate that. You guys are masters of what you do, and it's always a pleasure coming to talk. Especially uh, with this whole group right here. Wish FJ could have made it, but we've had yeah. a fun here. Yeah, this FJ is, wanted to be on. It was just a timing thing. Yeah, he did. As a matter of fact, he wanted me to. FJ FJ wanted me to share uh, a little text exchange I just had with him. I'm stuck, dude. I'm sorry. Though I have ideas about the new series. And so I said, well, that's cool. We'll catch up with you uh, down the road soon. And then he, FJ says, Paul's fault. Post yeah, because what did I, what did I because say? we we because we we shifted our recording time earlier to, oh, to accommodate yeah. you because uh, we we you know Sorry, the time guys. difference is so huge. And then FJ continues to say, "Dude never sleeps anyway. Why sleep <laughs> early so he can talk more and steal my spotlight? Because I'm huge yeah. ratings." Yeah, 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 yes, yes. FJ is the Howard Stern of of uh, Rebel Force Radio. We always get huge spikes in the ratings. No, man, I've been saying for a yeah. long time yeah. you need an after dark special with FJ every week, man. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's All right. Well, we don't want to hold Kyle up anymore. Uh, take again, care, buddy. Guys. We'll see. You, we'll talk to you soon. You will. Ciao, right. Cinco. Bye. All right. Well, it's probably time we should wrap this up. Boy, what a what a journey it's been. Like I said, ten years of analyzing uh, every minute of Star Wars animation, going back to uh, uh, our uh, our prior show uh, in the Forcecast days, and then you know here at Rebel Force Radio, it's been a, it's been an awesome ride. I I I I'm surprised that we don't know more about. Uh, the future of Star Wars. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think, guys. Refresh yeah. my memory about mm. the the lag time between 
the end of Rebels and, or excuse me, the end of Clone Wars and the beginning of Rebels, how long did we kind of meander in a in a sort of an unsure? You know, it feels like it was very short lived. We we knew well, about Rebels yeah, I think quickly. So. I, I think so. I, I'd like to try to dig up the original um, press release for when uh, Rebels was announced. And uh, I, I, I'm thinking I have to go back to uh, the latter half of 2013 for that. Uh, Rebels, the show, I believe, debuted in 2014. Uh, so stand by. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for it. I'm, I'm going to find it. I'll find it. Paul, what is, your, what is your uh, biggest wish, your biggest hope for Star Wars as it is, is told in this, in this animated form what would you most my, like to see my biggest wish is uh first and foremost is that to echo Carl's sentiments i th- you know i'm such a fan of dave's work and obviously i'm kind of a bit biased because he's a friend of the gang and everything but i just think he's earned such respect from me in terms of just his ability as a storyteller and director and his ability to pull the the thing together and uh and i think that that clone wars was astonishing rebels is, became its own creature and it's been wonderful and i think dave is clearly firing on all cylinders and able to get all these wonderful people to work for him i mean two great casts mm-hmm. who've done amazing work from start to finish you know he's created a ton of characters that everybody what, loves what is the thing that, all these people what is the thing that tips clone wars uh, over rebels for you what what because i think uh, it's clear that that that, that clone wars is a soft is your is your favorite yeah. of the two but what is uh, it? It's, it's the scope. It's mm-hmm. the scope of it, and the the number of familiar characters that I cared cared about already. I think yeah. probably had a lot to do with it. Um, although you know, Ahsoka is one of my most favourite characters. I do, I adore Ahsoka as a character. I love her to pieces. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I I just never really bonded with any of the Rebels crew. I I, I really liked um, the people who worked on the show and feel a lot of affection for it, and uh, and like the performances and everything. But I think it, it just. Um, I think because this, this, the, the, the stories felt kind of smaller and more intimate mm-hmm. rather than working for it. I, I don't know. It worked against it for me in that, you know, I kind of felt like a more of a connection with Obi-Wan and Anakin and, and uh, th- those kind of characters. So right. I, I think it was really characterization. But for me, I think going forward, I think my, my, my greatest wish is, is I would really, really love, I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a big OT fan. So I would absolutely adore a show that really feels like the OT. And I don't mean in in the way that this has kind of emulated it in in the you know the ghost is very much like the Falcon and mm-hmm. there are even moments where it really feels like we're inside the Falcon having a t- you know in a tie fighter battle or something like that. I don't mean like that. I mean um, you know original trilogy characters in an originally tr- in original trilogy environments like you know and kind of sharing those stories in the same way that we've shared you know the stories of Anakin and Obi Wan in the Clone Wars. I'd like to see the stories of Luke, Leia, and Han. Uh, post Return of the Jedi. That's a, great, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice? Because you know, when, when I watch, when I go back and watch the original trilogy, mm. it's something that always continues to surprise me. It's like, oh boy, you know what? Han, Luke, and Leia don't get to spend all that much time together. No, on I screen. Mean, I, the, the, the thing I always saw is like, you know, one of the things that really worked for me about those rubbishy old Marvel comics in the seventies and eighties. Was was that the, they they you had that experience of kind of living with them? Yeah, you know, like yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid yeah. just feeling like I was hanging out with those people, 
you know, and I felt like like my connection with those characters was reinforced by these these silly comics, you know, and 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 to to kind of for that to have worked even in such a kind of a an, an era when like all the reference was out the window and everything looked wrong but <laughs> it, st- it still worked you know and then they had all these limitations like we can't have Han Solo for a big chunk of time because he's in Carbonite and Empire and they've got to make that work there was still something about that that kind of period you know that that just really really worked for me so oh man I would love a show that's all right see I gotta player. I gotta jump in here and just say I, I is is it is that because I did not follow those comics is that true? So during the in between Empire and Jedi, the yeah, Star Wars yeah. comic reflected the fact yes. that Luke, that yeah. Han was gone. Yeah. I didn't realize that. absolutely. absolutely. At the same time, Jason. So it, it didn't jump. It, it never jumped time frames. It was just like continuous. Mm-hmm. So wow. when Star Wars okay. when Star Wars went, when Star Wars left the theater, uh-huh. the Star Wars comic continued on from that point and just kept going until Empire was released. And then obviously when Empire finished, it carried on from that point. And did did the did the adaptation of Empire take place within the the this this the Marvel Star Wars comic book? Yes. Yeah, but it okay. didn't all connect up. You know, it didn't connect up seamless, seamlessly like it is now. You know, and there were the there was the occasional strip that went off at a tangent. You know, uh, but but by and large, that's right, right, Jimmy. I mean, that's how I remember it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely. I mean, the 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 impact of the events of Empire Strikes Back were felt. Uh, with the comic series almost immediately following the adaptation. I believe the first comic was Luke um, uh, being hunted down by a probe droid. Yeah. So, you know, of course, probe droids, we'd never seen them before Empire Strikes Back, and now here they are popping up in the comics. So you see this immediate impact of Empire Strikes Back hmm. showing up, and, oh, and they yeah. don't have a base either. You know, they're on the run now. Hmm. Um, I can't remember if they had a base. I think they still held on to Yavin for a while. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, I don't remember. I have, it's been years kind of, since I've read those. You did see him kind of like leaving Hoff and stuff, didn't you? Well, you saw them um, leaving Yavin at one point, didn't you? I mean, the the very start of the Abdul Burr 7, was it? Whatever it was. The first issue after the original Star Wars was them all kind of like leaving from Yavin on ships. You know, well, and then, Han, and then, Han and Chewie well, left. Han and Chewie left and then later... Did yeah. the rebels stay there? I thought yeah, they stayed I think they there did, for, they did for a, a while, didn't they? They did for a while, but they, they had other adventures on Hoth and things like that, didn't they? So it was all tied in very tightly with the movies. But man, just the idea of picking up those stories that I feel have been dropped. You know? it, it, it would it, it would be it would be awesome. I I would love to see a show uh, dedicated to the the adventures of Han, Luke, and Leia together. I I mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I think it would be just just phenomenal. Yeah, go ahead. Can you Paul? think of anything? Sorry, can you can you guys think of anything that would be more enticing to you as old school fans? You know, no, no, not at all. No, not one. <laughs> so, bit, not at all. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think Disney's interested in that? Like that, everybody we know, not at all. The original school fans <laughs> would like that more than anything else. No, it seems like the priority for Disney is definitely not listening to older school fans. You know, it's but, just that's the I case. Mean, yeah. No. I think that's really sad and short-sighted because I just kind of feel like if that's true, they're essentially saying that George's Star Wars is better than theirs because George's Star Wars appeal to everybody. Well, so just dismissing all the fans is not. It, it, cool. It's it's hard for me to believe that they would spend four billion dollars, uh, only to get the you know to the you know essentially use the concepts you know air quotes mm-hmm. of Star Wars and not the equity of those characters. I think yeah. I think I think the solo movie has a lot riding on it. 
has a lot mm. riding on it because it's going to I show. I mean, you bring up a good point there, Jason, in that don't, don't you think that, I mean, if, if they're looking to base it essentially impersonate the original trilogy to a large extent in terms of kind of like, right, where this doesn't feel like the prequels, mm-hmm. we've got the Empire versus Rebellion, you know, which is total, totally old school. Then, I mean, if, if that's what they're looking to do, they must understand the value of that era. They must understand the appeal of that, you know. And so what could be better than doing a legitimate straight up, let's just do that. Rather than let's let's do an impersonation of it, you know. You think? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer I'm all to for me. It. I, I think they worry about you know Star Wars becoming just nostalgia. You know, I yeah, think, but I mean, there's enough Star Wars for everybody, right? I I, mean, I agree. I agree. You know what? And 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 perhaps you know we're hearing we, we've got Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. We've got John Favreau's. Uh, live action series. We've got this resistance series that's being rumored about. In mm. fact, but didn't Bob, Bob Iger say that there were multiple live action series being in and, in development? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think you're onto something where maybe they, they can, are they going be, to have enough Star Wars for everybody. They can't be afraid of the original trilogy era because when we got we had Rogue One, right? Right. No, I don't think I don't so. think that, that they're necessarily afraid of it. I just think that that's not necessarily where they want to in, in, invest in. Um, yeah, maybe. But yeah. Uh, but at any rate, I, you know, um, Paul, I, I do want to take a moment to say that, you know, as we kind of close down uh, 10 years of talking about Star Wars uh, animation, you know, a lot of things have changed for uh, Jimmy and I throughout the last 10 years. One thing has remained the same, and that's you, brother. You have remained oh. the same, and you have uh, <laughs> uh, no, been I'm an absolute uh, a pillar of our uh, analyses and, and commentary on this stuff. And I uh, can't thank you enough for sticking with us and being such an absolute uh, loyal friend and contributor to our thank efforts you. here. And uh, I mean that from, from the bottom. So thank you. Well, thanks, man. It's like, I love you guys. So, you know, what else am I going to do? It's, and I love Star Wars. And as long as they keep making cool Star Wars like this, I'm I'm a happy bunny, and I'm always going to come back and chat with uh, with my best buds. <laughs> well, we so it's, uh, you got to do it. Well, we appreciate it. So, if you're standing here and you're you're uh, eulogizing and and uh, memorializing Star Wars Rebels, uh, what are your what are your final thoughts on on this series and Ezra and Kanan and Hera and Sabine and Zeb and Chopper? <laughs> what are your thoughts? I think uh, I think I think you know I, I guess we couldn't talk about this without me bringing up ralph so mm. I, I i think that you know one of the nicest things about this show right from the very beginning for me was how much they referenced ralph and uh the fact that we had characters and droids and aliens and you know early concepts that he did for jabber and things showed up and earlier versions of 3po and uh ig88 and all that kind of stuff you know and, and lothal itself all the buildings look like they're on tatooine or alderaan and mm-hmm. Yeah, right through right through to the final scenes, you know, where there's a lot of Ralph in it, and um, just the little things like the way they tried to give it a look, where you know, when you got in close to any of the panels, all the all the panel lines looked like they were pencil marks and things like that. So they obviously went to a ton of effort to to you know come up with something that felt like uh, very heavily influenced by Ralph. And I have always appreciated that, and and always lamented the fact that Ralph didn't get to see more of the show. Mm. Um, because I'm he sure did get to see some of it, right? I believe, uh, or no? No, I don't think he saw Clone Wars. But uh, that's I don't think right, he, he did got, see Clone Wars. I don't think I... He got to Rebels, but yeah, um, what a shame! But uh, 
but you know, uh, you know, I appreciate the the respect that they paid to Ralph and continue to pay to Ralph, and I think that's, you know, that's um, to be applauded. And I hope that continues with whatever they do next. You know, I hope they, I hope they bring more of that in there. And it's nice to see all the Joe's designs and stuff like that finally come to life when you know we were brought up on all these sketchbooks full of Joe sketches, and finally we get to see him moving and things like that. So just from a purely visual point of view, you know, there's a lot to I'll 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 always remember about this show. And um, I think it was it was brave of them to to you know do a show that's predominantly about characters we didn't know fresh out the gate and uh, it clearly it's worked because it's got you know so many people love love these characters and I'm so glad they were happy to to bring a few characters back in from Clone Wars because that does make me feel a whole lot better about the way they're wrapped up and um, so I, I think these two shows will always be connected for me you know and um, Rebels at its best was always when it it contained a little bit of uh, Clone Wars in there so yeah I'll, I'll miss it for sure you know and um, I think it just got better and better and I can't wait to see what they do next can't wait That's going to wrap up our look at Star Wars Rebels. Wolves in a Door, A World Between Worlds, A Fool's Hope, Family Reunion, and A Farewell. Some really great Star Wars storytelling. And yes, we have been critical of Star Wars Rebels. And we've been critical of the Clone Wars. And we've been critical of the movies. That's what we do here at Rebel Force Radio. But we never forget that it is Star Wars. And even Star Wars, when it's not great, is still better than just about anything else. So we got to keep it in perspective. So at any rate, um, big thanks, uh, Paul Bateman, for joining us as always. We appreciate it. Also to uh, Kyle Newman, who uh, just jumped off just a little bit ago. Thank you to Kyle. Wow, what a what a moment to uh, stand back and look at the last four years of Star Wars Rebels, and uh, you know, it's obviously going to draw comparisons to the Clone Wars, and you know, the Clone Wars was just it was a very very special time for us all personally. Uh, it was also came at a time when there wasn't anything else happening in the world of Star Wars. Certainly, no films on the horizon, and Rebels. You know, kind of in, in in some ways was suffered from uh, you know vying for for attention. You know, here here it is trying to make a way for itself, and here you got the re, you know the original Star Wars cast showing up in new movies. You've got these spinoff films, all this stuff, and you know here's here's Rebels just trucking along. And I think uh, in the final analysis, it did a a great job and um, certainly some episodes better than others but for the most part I think the saga is certainly better off for having had the Clone Wars uh, Jimmy Mack <laughs> final thoughts on Rebels on Rebels all together the entire four seasons of Rebels uh, provided me with 
something I've always wanted as a Star Wars fan, an animated series based in the original trilogy. And uh, the, the, just the idea of seeing TIE fighters and X-Wings and speeders and stormtroopers and you name it, it, it's really been visually a very entertaining show. Um, going back to uh, May 20th, 2013, is when the press release announcing Rebels landed in our mailbox. The show then debuted... In October 2014. So it was about a year and a half. And uh, that puts Lucas Animation on the right path right now, schedule-wise, to have a new series ready to go when that Disney streaming app launches in October. I think it's October. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's autumn 2019. So I believe I believe that's when uh, we'll be getting our next uh, series. Now I know it was maybe a little premature for Lucasfilm to announce Star Wars Rebels was coming, you know, a full year and a half away. But it was because people were hurt that the Clone Wars had been unceremoniously canceled, and this was sort of a band aid to put on that this press announcement that Rebels was coming. And it certainly elicited a lot of excitement out of us fans when it happened. Along the way, uh, somehow we uh, lost Simon Kinberg and uh, Greg Weissman. I don't know how that happened. Um, there was a, a trilogy of executive producers as I'm looking at this initial press release. Dave Filoni, of course, was an executive producer along with Kinberg and Weissman. But by the end of season one, I think it was uh, firmly... Dave Filoni by himself in that captain's chair, and he's taken us on a really entertaining ride ever since the show debuted. So, Star Wars Rebels, you will be missed. Fare thee well, Rebels. Fare thee well. Puff a pig, not in any of these episodes. Norlando. All right, that's going to do it for us and do it for Star Wars Rebels. Thank you all so much for being with us over the last four years. We appreciate all the feedback, all your comments. It's been a blast. It really has. And uh, as long as there is new Star Wars, there will be new Rebel Force Radio. So make sure you tune in to us just about each and every week here at rebelforceradio.com. Available on all podcast catchers. We're on Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Rebel Force Radio is there. We'll see you next time. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Always.